Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 129, which is The Exorcist from 1973. Of course, that is directed by William Friedkin and starring uh, Ellen Burstyn, Max Van Sydo, and Linda Blair. And we decided to pair that with Exorcist 3, which is directed by William Peter Beatty, who wrote the original one and also wrote the third one. Uh, and you're wondering why we're doing The Exorcist? Well, several reasons why we're doing The Exorcist. This is, of course, our Halloween special. Uh, we recorded this a few uh, weeks back, but I'm putting this out uh, a little under a week from Halloween, so I figured you guys can enjoy uh, this particular episode of The Exorcist. And two, uh, why did we skip Exorcist 2? Uh, well, of course, Dan wanted to do Exorcist 2 because even though it's universally agreed that Exorcist 2 is a terrible film, he feels like it's not. I didn't want to have to go through this argument again. So we decided, Dan and I really love Exorcist 3. We think it's a great movie, uh, really great classic horror film, very well done. At least that's our thoughts on it. Eric had never seen it. So find out what Eric thinks about this podcast. I'm sure you guys will figure this out pretty quickly. But anyway, uh, it's a pretty cool uh, thing to talk about. All right. So that's our Halloween special. Uh, got a couple of announcements. I know we haven't had a live show on our Saturday, normal Saturdays in a few weeks. I have been traveling. I've been going crazy uh, for several weeks. In fact, I got back uh, less than a week ago, and guess what? I have COVID. Uh, yep, that's how much it's been going. I'm on my last day of quarantine, so actually I feel pretty good right now. Uh, probably will be back in the, uh, running around in the streets in a, in a day or so. Uh, but basically, yes, uh, we haven't been able to do them. And this Saturday... Uh, I am hoping to reward myself uh, with a fishing trip that I've been waiting to do almost all year. So you're, we're not going to have a podcast this Saturday. But if you guys would like to follow our podcast and like to be on the live podcast, you guys know that we are on twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. That's where we normally do our streams. But we've added a second channel now that's also streaming simultaneously, and that's on YouTube. And everyone knows YouTube. So just go to youtube.com slash at martini giant. And like us and subscribe us there. And then when we do our live shows on Saturdays, uh, you guys can follow along on those on that as well, because it'll be a lot of fun to have you guys there. So make sure to check us out on YouTube and make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, one last thing I want to mention is Patreon is making some very big and interesting moves. And I'm decided to put, pay a little more attention to that. Um, Patreon is actually the best place for us in terms of if you guys want to support the podcast and want to give us money for the podcast, more specifically, um, they give 90% of the money that you donate to the patrons who are uh, to, to us specifically, which is a big deal compared to YouTube or Twitch. So that's actually the best place if you want to support us. We'd love to have your support there. Uh, and I'm going to start exploring to do more things on Patreon. And again, if you just don't don't feel like you want to be able to be able to give us money at this point, totally fine. But at least uh, follow us on Patreon as well. And that is patreon.com slash martini giant. Patreon.com slash martini giant. All right. Without any further ado, let's watch The Exorcist 1 and 3. Enjoy. <laughs> You know, uh, like, because this is something to uh, just give a little nod to what we're going to be talking about. When I went to go see the re-release of The Exorcist, it was an iconic moment in watching movies for me because I went in, sat down, and um, this guy uh, walked in with his maybe seven or eight-year-old kid. See kind of, the, the first to, Exorcist. To see The Exorcist. 
and uh, I normally don't do this, but I was like, uh, I and I and I went over to him. And was like, hey, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude. Have you seen this movie? He's like, no. I'm like, this isn't exactly like a regular horror movie, and it might be um, a little intense. a little intense for your kid. I I just said it to him as an aside. I was trying to be polite about it, and he goes. Yeah, well, my kid's smart is uh, stronger than you are, okay? And I was like, "Cool, enjoy the show." Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And halfway through the movie, the kid was screaming so loud he blew out his voice and was sobbing, and he had to the dad had to carry him out like a football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, "Great parenting, my friend. <laughs> Nicely done." Yeah, isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> yeah, you really proved me wrong. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I've I've been in a situation like that. I can't. I gotta say, it was like thirty something years, probably the nineties, mm-hmm, right? And I was in a club in New York with some friends. I was visiting them. They were at a club. Studio Fifty Four. No, so. but it was a club <laughs> where people are naked. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to the bathroom, and somebody, this woman, was there with her child like in her arms, like a three-year-old, she was trying to get somebody she knows mm-hmm. who was out there where the women dance naked. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you, I, I was like, honestly, man, I don't think this is proper. <laughs> so dresses are a little bit. And she's like, vague. it's fine. It's fine. And she was tr- trying to get that person's sure. attention and go into the room. I was right. like, this is insane. What parent, you know, I, I understand she needs to get a hold of this person, but it was the same thing. I was like, this doesn't <laughs> seem right to me. Yeah. There's something, because I mean, even uh, like if you say, "Well, it's you know, it's just naked people. It's normal. It's not. It's not nah, the biggest yeah. thing in the world." But it it, was like, like usually the context in the of seeing something is, ridiculous yeah, on the it, west side. It was like exactly like it's a, like even before the naked folks. I'm I'm assuming that's not an appropriate place God, for a three or four year old. It was like no, yep. That's it. I understand. But what's weird is that nobody else was as alarmed as I was. I was like, that's really not good. Well, the thing is, I mean, I'm a, like, I'm a proponent <clears throat> as myself. Like, I was, uh, I saw Alien way, way, way too young. I saw Alien when I was, like, eight or nine years old. Sure. And uh, and it scarred me to the point uh, that I do what I do today. So, like, I'm, I'm, really? I'm not saying, you know, seeing things that are inappropriately scary or movies or whatever is necessarily the worst thing in the world. But be, you know, aware. <laughs> my parents did not want me to see Alien. I... Managed to see that via my brother. And that's what I'm doing. (laughs) My brother was the great corrupter of me. Holy moly. I'm very very thankful for this. I was a mess after the movie and my parents were very mad. Don't be such a pussy. Yeah. You may say to me, God, I'm doing you a favor. But yeah, I mean, I saw also, including The Exorcist. Like I, I remember when I was like 10 or 11 and The Exorcist was on TV and I... Uh, I knew it was on. I was like, I'm just going to change the channel and look at it for a second, you know, see if I can take it. And I don't remember what was happening, but it was like, and I was like, it almost knocked the television over, turning it off. It did you just for you? Did it really affect like this time around? Did it feel like that strong? I well, I have, I've seen this movie probably a hundred times. Yeah, so I can't say I it's a scary movie to me anymore. But like, I am, I am. I'm it's one of the movies that I'm like this is like this is like if this came out today I don't know if it'd be scary but it's pretty mm-hmm. bracing content 
<laughs> you know, it's like sure. when I when I watch like a Clockwork Orange, like every time I watch a Clockwork Orange, I'm like, I wonder what would happen if this came out today. Right. Like this is nothing. Like like well, I think the people I think people would absolutely flip out at that movie. I think they would say this is horrifying, you should not be making this movie. This is the worst. This is the he should be arrested. This is terrible and then make mm. videos about it. Oh, dude, like they literally just like there's they a did bunch that of, for the Joker, for God's sake. They, they did it for Oppenheimer. Like, there's a bunch of videos, people protesting the sex scenes in Oppenheimer. And the people that are protesting are 30 years old and under. So, it's a totally flipped universe <laughs> right now. It's a very right. strange scene. I mean, hey, man, think what you want. I'm not saying I'm not trying to get your way. But I'm like, it's a that's not the way that I grew up. <laughs> that's not the scene that I was in. No. And, uh, and I think that uh, something... Where you see like a child uh, in the situation that she is in in this movie, even though they obviously didn't put her in these actual situations. Um, but even a fictional character in this kind of situation is probably way, way over the line for most people right? Uh, today. Uh, so like I, I would say that uh, it's it's hard to judge. I'm inured to this stuff. I, when I see horror movies, I love horror movies. When I see horror movies, I'm rarely actively like scared scared like i can be i can be like this is really eerie or this is really tense but it's hard for me to get it's very very rare when i'm like i am uncomfortably frightened by this Uh, i think everything has been taken up such a beat that for me movies that now disturb me are um what was it the Vanishing, you know, the oh, yeah. French one. Yeah. And great. Benny's video. Benny's video, sure. Those are the, t- like, that uh, yeah, just, I mean, there's, there's stuff that can reversible. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, there's stuff that really still gets me, right? Like, there's yeah, stuff that I still find very scary. disturbing. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, um, I enjoy being disturbed. I look for stuff like that. Um, but it is, uh, it's rare for me to get into, like, I think the last time I was, Last time I was really, I can't even call it scared, but I was so uncomfortable for so long that I felt like tense in a very awkward way was Under the Skin. Like Under the Skin was so, so beautiful and such a brilliantly done film. But it's so beautiful, disturbed. Oh yeah, it's extraordinary. That's one of my favorite films I've ever seen. But I mean, I, but the first time I saw it, I was like, I have no idea. Cause I think that's what it is. It's not like I can take seeing almost anything, but it's when I go, I don't know if I, I don't know if they're going to show me something that I won't be able to take and creating that sensibility, like, you know, that maybe this is finally the one where I'm going to run screaming. Like that's when things are scary. I haven't mm. seen that movie yet, but I uh, think we're all forgetting bad boy Bubby. Yeah, that's, that's a good close one, right? I had to hang on tight to get through you, the opening. We, we, half the only hour. reason yeah. I went through the first 20 minutes is yeah. because uh i had to <laughs> yeah that's definitely one of them there's a movie right now that i haven't finished watching um and i may never finish watching a horror movie called the uh the poughkeepsie tapes oh uh, which i went to high school in poughkeepsie oh man well they made this like it got to a point where they hadn't shown anything but the tone of what they were showing i was like i this will give me nightmares like it's not the visual, like it's not the visuals, it's the subject matter. And I was like, I don't know what they're going to show me, but I don't want to be put in this place. Now, which I commend them for. That's great. They're like, that's hard to have a movie that does that. 
That being said, I cannot imagine being an average Christian moviegoer in 1973 seeing The Exorcist. Like, I don't think there's any movie even remotely no. like it beforehand. It's um, very... And it's not because it's all... There's no... It's not in your face. Right. And it's so subtle, plus the subject matter. Yeah. Meaning and, with the religious... Ties, I think, is what makes it even more. I think it would have been interesting. I don't know. Like, I was, you know, maybe it's because I was in Europe. And no, I didn't see it in 1973 when it came out mm -hmm. because I was two. But um, I think that the way that religion, religion, especially Christian or Catholic more specifically, is not as dogmatic and opinionated in some ways as it is oh, here. Yeah. Sure. But we yeah, have but I, think, I think what you're missing, well, not missing, but in 1973, the devout Catholics and the people that were, went to, all went to Sunday school and all went to Catholic schools were in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. Right. So that also helped create a divide between the younger people who were saying this is a good movie, where, right. you know, your grandmother... And your uncle are fighting with you because it's blasphemous against the church. Right. You know, you got to realize, like, Vatican II, which was the transformation of the Catholic Church, you know, away from Greek texts and so forth, was 19, what, 61, 62? Yeah. So right. it's less than 10 years. You have a real change in the way they're teaching at the seminary, and you have, you know, violence in the streets. You have a lot of protests and different types of political movements going so the fact that it was, um, you know, the depiction of Christ in that manner was was pretty heavy duty. I mean, yeah, I look at sure. it, I'm like, wow, this is gutsy filmmaking. Well, th I th this is like, that's how I feel about it. It's like, because for me, like a, a movie, as I'm not religious, like a movie, a possession movie doesn't need, to, like, I don't need to be religious for a movie to be scary. Like... There's also scary ghost movies, and I don't believe in ghosts. So, like, like when people are just like, "Yeah, well, it didn't really affect me because I'm not religious." I'm not like, "Well, then the movie doesn't really affect you. Like, it doesn't. Like, it should be able to affect you without leaning on the crutch of you happening happening to have this particular peccadillo. Like, the movie should work as a movie, and movies can scare you. Like, that's that's good filmmaking. Um, but what's interesting about The Exorcist to me today is that what makes it a great film to me is that it's a great piece of dramatic filmmaking like it's kind of like the last act is kind of a stage play and the first two thirds are this in, sort of like incredible um american neorealism yeah and i'm like yeah this is this is very really, much so. really brilliantly done just it's as a, a really film. brilliant film yeah like you don't have to have any of the supernatural anything for me no to be in fact the supernatural the stuff doesn't even show up till 45 minutes yeah. do you have the first sign that there's something supernatural right. I'm like I'm invested in the in the struggle because of Ellen Burstyn. Like I'm I'm wrapped up in her character, and uh, and the filmmaking surrounding her story, uh, completely. And that's why the exorcism itself is dramatic is dramatic to me and like intense. Um, and that's why the movie works. But like I think it's like, uh, it's I I mean I know plenty of people today still say it's oh it's the scariest movie I've ever seen. Like I don't like it was. This has long, long since ceased to be scary to me, but yeah. it has only become a better made movie. Like, it's not that scary to me anymore. Right. 
honestly speaking, it's just, you know, I don't know if it's a combination of the fact that we've seen so much of this. It's I've been seen, parodied to death I think by Linda Blair herself. Sure, you know? sure. Like it's it's the 2001 of horror movies. You know, it's like it's like it's just like well, here's the yeah. Like it's so there's nowhere it's so to much go after culture. Yeah, it's but like this at the, the same time, so, like at the same time, I think I think when you look at you know like things like um, uh, Blair Witch Project or The Ring or whatever, mm-hmm. those those are are classic horror films. Those still get you every time. Well, right? Blair Witch is a scary movie. That is a very, very effective, scary movie. Right. So, the, end so, of the, movie, the first time I saw it, I was like, I am scared. Yes. <laughs> like, I, right. I am that's not, you don't, scared. you don't, you don't look at that. But this scared the shit out of me. Yeah. 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 You know, but and, Benny's video is the one that, and uh, Benny's video is very disturbing. Yeah. It's, it's a, a good very, movie. very disturbing film. And, well, then the thing I, I would even add to that, like, I think if you're going to be that, if you're going to be disturbing, right. And I think it's fair to say, at least to audiences that it was made for, Exorcist is a disturbing movie, right? Um, you ha- it requires you to make a movie well, like it, like the like if you're making something that's disturbing and it's only mediocre, like I turn it off. I'm just like you're not even fucking trying. Like you're depending on this being upsetting to hold my attention. And the idea is to trick me into continue watching when it's disturbing. Yeah, and it, Benny's well, video does. That An- Anthony uh, on on our YouTube live stream is saying that paranormal activity gets to him. So, oh yeah, that's a good mm. that's a good scary movie. Like, I, I think it's like I wouldn't even say that. Like you compare that, you compare Exorcist and Paranormal Activity. Like Paranormal Activity is not a very realistic, believable bit of drama to me. Right? It's not like the acting is out uh, it's out of control or the story is really really brilliantly told or the filmmaking is more than novel. However. It scares the fuck out of you. <laughs> like it does. It does yeah. exactly what you're paying for, and it's brilliant. It's absolutely yeah. brilliant. You know. So yeah, what I can tell movie. you is the best place to see scary movies in Los Angeles is like at the Magic Johnson Theater. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because people talk a lot during. The, oh yeah, the, you can the, see a horror movie, in, and yeah, that is just. Yeah. It's it's the only place it's where that awesome. stuff is appropriate and great. Yeah. And I saw the yeah, ring yeah. not at, at the Magic Johnson Theater, but somewhat close to that. You, and you it was see, like that that entire vibe of cinema going culture uh-huh. is very special to me. <laughs> like I think that those are those are folks that are yeah. really there to it's watch like that in movie. New York and yeah, they scream awesome. out, "Smack it's the awesome. bitch!" Yeah, it's just it's hysterical. <laughs> like, like people, yeah. like, it's an interactive movie experience. Mm-mm-mm, don't go there. Yeah, it's great. Like, <laughs> don't it's open terrific. that door. There's a great, no, the great couple, there's a couple of theaters in Boston that I used to go to <laughs> for that because it's really um, like the, I, I really mean it. Like folks that are interacting with a movie. Like are being as respectful of the movie experience sometimes. As, yeah, like like if they're into the movie and they're like, "Holy fuck!" You know, like this yeah. is amazing. Then I'm on board. That yeah, was that was exactly what happened uh, during the ring when I watched the ring. It's like people are starting to have all the their snarky remarks around stuff, right, and then right, suddenly, right. like when you've seen the movie and he opens right. the door and the, the the dead bodies in there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and oh, it's shit. like you hear this guy just go like, "Oh, what the fuck is that?" <laughs> that's just, and then that's everyone, fun. the whole tone changed, and then right. everyone starts reacting. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know when she obviously comes out of the TV, he's like, right. "Oh fuck no, no, yeah. no!" <laughs> like, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> and the thing is, like, this is like because I mean, well, I will, I will definitely, I have been known to get uh, pretty confrontational when people are. 
you know, fucking mocking a movie or ruining other people's good time or, you know, can't stop talking on their cell phone or any of this shit. Like, I, like that blows my mind that not only are you paying 20 bucks to go, you know, just waste 20 bucks, right. but you're actively fucking up other people's time. Like, yeah, makes me care. crazy mad. <laughs> you know, I've tried to control my anger issues surrounding this, but I have, I have literally poured... I've grabbed people's sodas and poured them in their laps and been hauled out of the theater. Really? Like, oh yeah, I've gotten known to fights. Like, it's bad. Like, I get so, so, I've been so angry. I've since, this is many, like, been many, it's been a decade plus since I've done anything like yeah, that. Yeah, so he's uh, Serenity now. I'm Serenity, yes, yeah. <laughs> serenity now, Serenity now. But, I, but that's how much that stuff Tell him the story be. about uh, going to go see... Uh, Save uh, Ryan. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> Oh, okay. Can we tell the story now? We can tell the story now. This is the story. This okay. is the story. To I want to warn everybody. This warn is it's a, a little blue. This is a blue piece <laughs> little of work. Little boy right blue. This is, this, is the, this is explicit and uh, it's dirty and filthy. And I will, I'll try to put it in the best terms I possibly can. But this is how it goes. This involves a friend of mine who is a wonderful guy and uh, a very, very good friend of mine for many years. And he is a big science fiction nerd. Like, he loves even the worst, cruddiest science fiction. Especially if it's, like, big spaceships, big drama, that kind of stuff. He's, like, he wants to see that in the theater. It's magnificent. And if you've seen The Chronicles of Riddick, this is, like, tailor-made. It's not a good movie at all. But it's, like, it's such ridiculous sci-fi spectacle that, you know, it was hitting every button he had. However... His wife, almost Flash Gordon. Almost. It's almost Flash Gordon. It's almost yes. Flash Gordon. Really, it's that uh, bad. And it's it's so it's so bad. Uh, but it's kind of fun. It's 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 so bad. It's fun. And uh, but which is so disappointing after uh, Pitch Black, which was so which not a good bad. movie. That's a good uh, indie movie. That's yeah. an actual uh, uh, very good. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, but the the sequel is so overblown and so like Warhammer forty thousand ridiculousness <laughs> that like he loves it and I love the fact that he loves it and it was going to be fun. Right. But the thing is like. So he's like, dude, you got, well, we got to go see this movie together. I was like, cool, let's do it. Uh, but his wife is not someone who enjoys movies like this. She enjoys good movies for being good, not nonsense movies. Uh, and, uh, and so he wanted to see this movie. She didn't want to see this movie. I wanted to see this movie. So he asked me, however, they already had a date to go to the movies. So he lied to her. Right. Nice. And he's just like, because he's like, dude, I'll see you at the theater. Great. And I was like, great. And I show up at the theater and there's him and his wife. And he goes, dude, what are you doing here? What are you seeing? And I was like, Chronicles of Riddick. Right. Oh, and, God. And, uh, and she's like, oh, it's great to see you. I'm like, like, oh, Chronicles of Riddick. What is that? Is that that dumb looking science fiction film? And he's like, honey, we got to go see Chronicles. No, we have to be we're here with Dan. We got to go see it with Dan. So this and is all a ruse. It's a ruse, right? It's a ruse. And, Did you, like, and you didn't know about it. You were being played I didn't know. Too. I was totally, I was just yeah, like, okay. okay, well, I can say something about this, but it's going to turn right. to a fight if it does. So I'm just going to let, let it lie. It's going to be okay. You know, so she sees the shitty movie. That's the way it goes. We get in there and the movie starts playing, right? And we, we sit down and we're like, uh, and the only seats that are left are like, there's like, you know, four at the end of one row. So we go in and there, sit there and it's an empty seat. Here we go. Right. Start watching the movie. Movie's totally ridiculous. You can see that, you know, his wife is like, oh, my God, what the fuck are we doing? This is such bad. This is a bad movie. But Nick is consumed. I'm sorry. I give away. This is my friend, Nick, who's wonderful. He won't mind me telling the story. But Nick is consumed. He's consumed by this movie. He's just like, this is amazing. It's everything you want. You can see is like staring at the screen. It's magnificent. Uh, And 
And then about 20 minutes in, uh, this dude comes up and sits down at the, in the empty seat at the end of the row next to, uh, his next to Nick's wife. Right. So and basically blocking your guys out of getting yes. out. So okay. he's like, this is, this is it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, whatever, whatever. And no, the guy wasn't dressed well. He's like got sweatpants on and everything, but he's just sort of sits there and he starts watching the movie. And uh, I get back in the movie, start watching the thing. So about another half an hour goes by and suddenly Nick's wife goes, Oh my God. <laughs> right. And she stands up in the theater. I look over, right. And I'm looking across, I'm looking across Nick and Nick is still like watching the movie like this. <laughs> like, and I look at the dude, the dude has his hands in his pants and is abusing himself so thoroughly to because whatever he likes, you know, fucking, uh, oh, what's his name? The star of Chronicles Riddick? You know, it's Vin, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Like he's a Vin, giant Vin Diesel fan, I guess. And so his, like, his hand is like going bah, 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 inside his, uh, inside his, uh, uh, sweatpants. Did you say something to Chris or are you and- just kind of like- <laughs> And I look over and I'm like, Sue is blanched white, obviously, for good to absolutely reasonable reasons. Nick is barely catching up to what is happening. Because he's still consumed by it. Because he was just like, what? Like this? The the guy at the end of the row who has got who's got the action going on, the train comes into the station for him. You know, like he okay. arrives at the place he wants to arrive at. Sure. And there's a big vocal moment for him. Uh, and at this right point, outcome. yeah, the right outcome. <laughs> He's like, like this. And at that point, everybody in the theater is now looking at Sue, the guy, his hands. Is Sue still standing at this point? She's like, she's like, what the? Because she doesn't want to like, she can't run backwards because the row is full and she doesn't want to run by the guy. So she's just backing up into the And and the dude gets there. But the best thing is that simultaneously, I guess it was such a good time for him. He poops his pants. He poops his pants (laughs) at the very same moment. So it's not just, "Ah!" it's also, oh my God screams bloody murder which is absolutely appropriate no fault to her nick is like oh honey and she runs out of the theater nick runs out of the theater the guy runs out of the theater and in the worst form of all time i am laughing my fucking ass off <laughs> like, it was like it was horrible of me but i couldn't help myself everyone's like what the fuck is going on the whole theater is standing up dude runs out Right. And I'm it's just horrible. like, whoa, this is nuts. And I, and I walk up like, like they, they are. They, <laughs> Eric they is they not are, pleased with this story. They are like, basically the movie is like the people have come in from the theater, blah, blah, blah. And right. And I walk out and people are walking out of the theater and I can see that, you know, uh, poor, you know, Sue and Nick are, you know, like try, she's trying to deal with them. And he is blah, blah. Like that's off in the corner. And I just walk up to the usher and I was just like, Hey, um, some dude just, uh, jerked off and pooped his pants in the movie theater we were in. <laughs> And I was wondering if we could get a uh, a refund. And the usher looks at me and goes, Oh, that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you sell him a ticket? (laughs) Oh, that guy. And then he went and got me and uh, Sue and Nick uh, booklets for literally an entire uh, summer's worth of movie. Uh, movie tickets. Just don't sit in that seat. 
Oh my god, that was just the most ridiculous thing I had ever been a part of. I apologize to them for laughing. It was so shocking and ridiculous. Anthony liked that story. Oh my god, it was just just (laughs) the worst. (laughs) Just the worst. Uh, Uh, I think they. I think everything is now fine, and Mitsu have made up on on that. But that is okay. Burned into my head for the rest of my life. (laughs) Movie going adventures. That's the end of the blue story. That's to me. It's it's it's, it's, to me what that sounds like. You know, when I said tell him about the Chronicles of Riddick story, that's like tell him about the aristocrats. It's the aristocrats. (laughs) It's my. It's my very own aristocrat it it's is an just, aristocrat story it and, is I, totally and I and now like i now i enjoy chronicles of Riddick in a much more profound oh yeah because way. it's nostalgic <laughs> it's nostalgic for me nostalgic to that beautiful evening where you got so many free tickets to see movies that yeah. yes but, that's uh, an unbelievable story yeah that's, uh, <laughs> that, i mean that should have taken place in new york city it did not it was actually in boston at the uh at the uh at the wang theater no less <laughs> 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 that was the punchline. <laughs> the Boston Common Theater, not the Wang. Just kidding. <laughs> the Wang Theater. <laughs> the Wang's very nice. I saw Jaws at the Wang. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, where are we on this? Okay. So we are going to talk about Exorcist 1 and 3. We already started talking about the Exorcist. We got really into it, which means to me that we are in into talking about these movies, which I am very excited about. Um uh, why did we do Exorcist 1 and 3 and not 2? Because 2 is terrible. Daniel may talk about 2. I am going to avoid talking about 2. I, I can do my bit on 2 pretty quickly if you want to hear it. Okay. Like, but, well, we'll, but we'll do, we'll basically do it the very, very is, briefly. I'm going to put it this seconds. way. I'm going to put it this way. This no, 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 no. We're going to – you Hold guys on. made me watch that. So Dan is going to explain this fucking movie to me. Because did you, you watch 2 or 3? I watched three. Okay. All right. All right. Dad. <laughs> I can't I wait like to get three. this. I'm, I, uh, this, okay. No, so this is, I've never, the, I have, n- I think in the eighties I walked out on a movie theater. I walked out on that movie, but I realized I was out home. So I can't really. You can't walk out. I walked outside. So two, two is terrible. I like three. But I did go, no, I, that's. That's no, it's not. It's not good at all. I, There's a real. I will go. So I will. I will. I'll bury the lead. I. I love three so much. I watched it again this morning, and I love it seriously, not mockingly. Like that is to learn what a, not to do. A that is a top five horror film for me. That is absolutely good. one of the greatest horror it's films. Pretty I've good. Ever seen. It Absolute does feature does feature the uh, Larry uh, King the, and see everybody. It does feature Larry <laughs> King. It does also feature the Andy Circus of nineteen uh, eighties. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, Brad Dourif. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is a very particular zone that movie, but I, I, I will make I, my argument for it. I, yes, I am. But we are going to get. We're not going to get to it yet. But we are going to. I am going to say that I liked. I look at it as uh, a Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, the Holy Grail, mm-hmm. uh, and we are going to skip the Temple of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's so, the like, way I look at it. This is the. I'll, I'll give you the. Here's my. Here's my spiel on uh, Exorcist Two. First of all, Exorcist 2 is a genuinely bad movie. Like, it's rare to see a movie where you're like, every creative decision is wrong. Like, it's through and through wrong. Uh, however, it's not the kind of bad movie that's boring. Like, it is a, it's a wild movie that is trying extremely hard to blow the original one out of the water. Uh, it's almost a science fiction film. It is directed by John Borman, who has made such wonderful movies as Deliverance and, and such 
such other movies as Zardoz and Excalibur and Excalibur, right? Um, you this is the this is the Zardoz of the Exorcist world in many many ways. And if you watch it enough, you're gonna find things in it that you will appreciate as much as some people like ourselves appreciate Zardoz. Zardoz, I think, ultimately is a good movie. Uh, it's a hard one to get into, but it's a good movie. But Exorcist Two is is never a good movie. It is a it's a mistake movie. Um, but definitely see it. It's beautifully photographed. It's wildly dreamlike. It has James Earl Jones in a bee costume, which is something to see. Uh, it has like yeah. radical set effects and some of the worst uh, and most ironic miscasting of all time because Linda Linda Blair returns for Exorcist Two and as wonderful as she is in Exorcist One, she is unbelievably bad in Exor- exorcist 2 and she is up against richard burton and oh. w- when you have richard burton <laughs> one of the great actors of his time versus linda blair who is barely trying at all it makes for some of the strangest scenes in film history so definitely see it it's i think on hbo right now it's worth seeing just to get it in your brain. And some of the imagery is astonishing. It's beautifully, beautifully shot. Well, I should note that this is an extremely rare thing. We are in October. We are October 7th. Mm-hmm. And Exorcist 1 was available free on HBO Max. Yeah, there you go. Nice. And Exorcist 3 was available free on Hulu. On Amazon, and, um, yeah, that's right. It's uh, on Amazon Prime, Prime Hulu, and uh, I think on YouTube. It's like across the board. Yeah, free. right. No, man, oh, man. But so, uh, there we yeah. go. Yes, I was intent on seeing the new Exorcist movie last night, but yeah, all the good seats were sold out. So I'm sorry to report that. Um, yes, I will have. Well, actually, this is good, and it's also the 50th anniversary of Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Is it the really? First yeah. Yep. Yep. And Before uh, we go deep, let's just at least talk about. Um, I first of all, I came up with a phrase. Remember how I came up with Scruggson? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So the new phrase I came up with, if you walk out of a movie within your own home, <laughs> it's called it's called a blatty. It's a blatty. <laughs> blatty. I blattied that one. <laughs> it's uh, like, yes. I, I was like, wait a minute, I'm in my own home. I couldn't, I got up. Go anywhere, this I'm is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, Did you beautiful. actually finish the movie? I stopped and then I went back today and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll watch. Struggle out through. It's, I mean, there's so many aspects of it that I'm a lot. I'm uh, as- astonished actually. Um, <laughs> this is amazing. This is so good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was, and it's time in my life. I'll never get back. But at the same time, I'm doing it for the show. But I was at some point like, these guys suck, man. They really suck. <laughs> this is it. Because it, it's really, I've seen crappy know, movies. I don't know. I disagree. I love Exorcist. I mean, this is there's nowhere. no way this this goes in the same level of uh, what is it? Uh, uh, conf- not confession. Communion. Uh, communion. No, communion's cool. You know why? <laughs> what? <laughs> communion. At least you get to look at Christopher Walken. At least there's in some it. walking. Yeah, I hear you. Here yeah. was Dorsey C-le- Scott. Okay, C level mm-hmm. actors. All overacting, all like the cop with his glasses on, like in the room, and then he takes them off. It's like yeah, what? the one that looks like it Bob Guccione. 
Yeah. <laughs> and what's his name? George C. Scott was overacting like crazy. Oh, he, he was great. I love him. Throwing his thing. own shit My in there. The sets were horrible. Yeah. It made no love sense. The love angles it. were oh, I wrong. I loved it. Yep, yep. Oh my God! I'm, I don't I'm, know if I, you I saw the same film. I, I, I'm so I'm so happy. This is <laughs> it this is, probably yeah, is this is this is likely the most the the furthest apart we've ever been. I think on this Martini might be John. Yes. At, like, at any point, like there's movies that we've disagreed on, but Absolutely. like I would like Exorcist Exorcist three. Even if you're talking about the like the list of my top 100 films, it's up there. It, it <laughs> might sneak into the top 100. Like I love it that much. Okay, so explain to me the story. Well, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Do we want to go Exorcist first? We have to because it is the sequel, yeah, right? So we exactly. have to do that. Yeah, we have right? to set it off. We'll so let's, let's 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 let. But this is something to look forward to. So listen to the whole podcast That's the because it's going to get later part of the episode. I have a feeling. So Eric, let's just contain yourself, ball it all up inside. Just put it deep, deep, deep down. Just, Back just it down. hold it in there so that it's just, you know, Ready like the go. guy at the movie theater, an explosion yeah. at the end. <laughs> unbelievable. Oh, that guy. Oh, that guy. Just don't shit man. yourself. That's, That's all I'm asking for. Oh, my God. Radical. <laughs> Truly radical. Okay. So, Exorcist is an important movie because it was an important horror film. And this is before horror, horror films were like, oh, it was like schlocky, right? right. And then this is serious. One yeah. that was nominated for an Oscar. I think probably one of the first horror films ever to be nominated for Oscars, right? No, yeah, I would have to check that, but I, but I suspect that's right. And it's, uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a massive, it's, I mean, I, it's still, I don't think there's anything quite like it. Because, like, there's, uh, I would say, like, the first, say, science fiction film to win for Best Picture is just recently with Everything Everywhere All at Once. But that is... Wait, 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 wait. wait what about 2001? Wait. That didn't win. That didn't win for Best Picture. Oh. Yeah. So like but the uh, the Exorcist won for best picture. No. But uh like the like the it's in terms of like for something that that self-serious to get that far is really really radical. Mm-hmm. Um because like everything everywhere uh is an extremely likable uh comedy drama that is also very very tangentially based on a loose sci-fi concept, but they you know they get over that pretty quickly. Right. Whereas like Exorcist is like I am a horror movie. Like this is it. Like there's. I am a horror film because I'm called The Exorcist. (laughs) Yeah. Like there's there's no fucking around with this movie. Yeah. You go in there. There is there is a lot of buildup. The whole movie is the whole movie is a buildup. Yeah. And I want to say it starts off with Max Van Sydow, who I decided I'm going to call him the Reverse Tom Cruise. <laughs> he right. always looks the same age, but old. Yeah, but old. Yeah, like that because he is actually this. And I, he I was like, this, like thirty three in this yes. movie, and, and they made him look old. But he looks exactly like the way he looks old. Yeah, like uh, Dick Smith is one of the great makeup people of all time. Right, and uh, and the old age makeup for the Exorcist is like you know you can in the close ups you can tell that it's makeup, but it's so perfectly designed that it. Like it really feels like an old man, and like the the two things that sell it is not only this the sculpt perfect, but von Sydow's performance actually feels like an old man. Right. Yeah. Whereas, like when most people do old men, they're like, "I'm playing an old man." Yeah, and it's a big ham sandwich. Yeah. This dude <laughs> absolutely nails it. Like this is exactly like this is a real person at an advanced age. They did and, use they did use old man hands, I think. 
Yeah, for the inserts. Yeah, I think that's true. Because like, that he, really sells it. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely convincing. When in reality, he is, I believe, younger than the young priest. Yeah. Like, uh, and uh, I would be like, he, he, looks, he basically could. looks like himself in Minority Report. In, in, in real life. Yeah, exactly. When With he's much Tom Cruise, who is the, the reverse <laughs> Max Van <laughs> Exactly. exactly. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's, it's really, it's a, the opening of this movie is so um, brilliantly rendered. Um, and people have tried to copy this thing and they copied it. Did. It was called Indiana, uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, because they, they, they don't get the, the, the opening in particular captures this sort of like both a sense of complete realism and of profound spirituality. And it's such a hard thing to gather both of those things in the same frame. And, mm. uh, and it's like in, in Friedkin does this like really Friedkin's one of the great directors of all time. He just passed okay. away. So I'm, let's talk a little bit about Friedkin. Mm-hmm. What was his history before this? Uh, prior to this, he did the French connection, right. uh, which is another one of the great films of all time. Yep. And like, he is a champion of, uh, like he was, he was the only one of the new Hollywood crew that was really embracing like, uh, Italian neorealism. And just like, like we have to bring these ideas from European filmmaking, uh, to this, to the American audiences. He was the most intellectual, right? He's up there. Yeah. Him, De Palma is pretty intellectual too, but he's sort of like intellectual in a, in a film, in a, in a sort of like a, uh, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the head of video class, like he's like, yes, he, he's a techno nerd. He's um, a nerd. And, uh, whereas, uh, Friedkin is a real artist. Like he's thinking and talking like an artist all the time. And he's also like, a like you see interviews with that guy. There is no more, uh, straightforward a person as William Friedkin was like he, like he will, like he doesn't care who he insults. He doesn't, he doesn't give a shit at all. Right. Right. And so like, I, I've seen recently, you know, uh, I saw him talk uh, just a few years ago, Dave 3D uh, guy. And I went to go see him talk. Dave got tickets, which is wonderful. And like, he would just be like, oh, that guy, he's a fucking asshole. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't piss in his head if his hair was on fire. Like, he'll just uh, openly say this about like, you know, wh- whatever famous actor, you know, like he, fa- like a, one interview he said about, um, Al Pacino from working with Al Pacino and cruising, you know, uh, someone was like, well, what did Al Pacino said this about so-and-so? And he goes, the amount that I care about what Al Pacino thinks I could write on a fucking pin. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the kind of guy he wants the real stuff. And when he right. makes a movie, he's just like no bullshit. Like the absolute real feeling of being there is what makes you connect. And with French connection, it's what makes it one of the most exciting films ever made is like, there was nothing like French connection beforehand. Uh, and, uh, and you, you like, it's so exhilarating and perfectly cut and shot, uh, that it creates a world without having to explain itself. And the same, you thing know, I was, activist. I was thinking about that today or yesterday, whenever, because a freaking obviously, but I was thinking, it's like, oh, you know what? We haven't done the French Connection, mm-hmm. and I don't think we can. Uh, we can't do Why? the original French Connection because they've edited it now. Yeah, which is oh, a that's right. which is a uh, which is a real Huge shame. bummer. Yeah, yeah, but we have to. We can't do it out of protest. Sorry, because yeah. it's just funny. Yeah, I, I feel doing. like yeah, like uh, we, we've talked um, about that on the show. I, I do want to. Dave three really... D has put a couple notes in here. It says, "Wasn't The Exorcist the first movie that they bragged, where the ads bragged about people fainting and puking in the aisles?" 
Yeah, that may yeah, be true. Yeah, and you can actually see footage, like uh, news footage of people uh, coming out of the theater and like they were fucking blown away. Like they were just like, I don't know, I've never seen anything. Like they're completely, you know, completely freaked out. And like I said, you know, like yeah, contextually, 1973 when religion was much stronger. Like I can imagine this being religion wasn't as strong as it is now, dude. I'm well, sorry. Yeah, it's a different kind of thing. I think that today religion is strong because it's political. Where it was like back then it was strong because it was family. That's right. And, uh, and I, and I feel like people's, like it was just people's root understanding of the world, which is not true today. Like people just use religion to fight today and it's very surface. But the way that people perceive the world in America, even if you weren't Christian was intensely, you know, uh, colored by Christian thought. And like there was a big deal about whether or not, you know, we should elect Kennedy when he's a Catholic. That's you right. Know, this oh, kind of right. Shit, I, I see know? what you're saying. Yeah. And so, like, this this is the kind of uh, stuff it's up against. And uh, and I think that it was a, like, you have a movie, even if you had a shitty movie, it would work uh, with these themes back then. But having a movie that's this good and also deals with stuff, deep spiritual stuff that people are, you know, have opinions about is overwhelming. Yeah. But, like, Freakin' is both the right and the wrong guy to make that movie because he's going to really really scared the hell out of you with it yeah okay and uh, he just died recently he did yeah sadly yeah real real did. master real master and max von Sydow died in 2020 yeah yeah another <laughs> one of the greats yeah at the age of 90 so yeah he looked like he was an old man in this movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. And uh, Dave Freese has also uh, freaking uh, called uh, Steve McQueen a prima donna because he didn't want to film Sorcerer out of the United States. <laughs> so freaking, so freaking axed him. him. Yeah, exactly. He got Roy Scheider instead. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's, that's the kind of guy that freaking was. He's man. Just like, you're, if you're going to come make a movie with me, it's going to be like my way. Fucking yeah. Mount Everest. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so that's, and, and then obviously this is also very famous for, uh, the Linda Blair performance, right? Because mm-hmm. Linda Blair is very, very, very young. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I think there was in, uh, Easy Riders and Raging Bulls, there's a weird part where freaking interviews her and starts asking her as a young teenager, questions about masturbation or something very, very awkward. Right. Right. And they have this conversation about it. And because of the way that she answers those questions, that's why he cast her because she had right. this weird dark side to the way she answered them. Right. Mm. Yeah. Which well, was, well, this was not done in uh, like some room off to the side. Like this is with her parents and all this other stuff. So like they, they were looking for someone who they were looking for essentially a family who's just like in a mindset in which what they I understand the movie is okay. I understand, right. but put that in the context now where we have intimacy coordinators. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like it'd be it'd be very on set. Yeah. If you're going to have an intimate scene, you have a coordinator to make sure that everyone is right. uh, uh, on s- not, you know, doing things inappropriately or right. whatever it is. And it's like, wow. Yeah. It's a, it's way a, to make that sex scene feel nice and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that sounds good. Right. I'm like, not necessarily saying that it shouldn't be done, but I'm yeah, just saying I'm, just contrast that, right? Yeah, to it's true. like. 
like I think that there's a like I'm not I'm not against intimacy coordinators. I think like if people want them, then they should have them. That's that makes sure. Sense. It's just like um, but but, you, just, but just think about what we just talked about with Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that there's a. I can't believe people are offended by Oppenheimer. That's really wild to me. That, like uh, I've I don't know if you've hung office. out with a lot of teenagers. <laughs> Uh, it is, it is uh, a very strange world these days. Yeah, it's it it's, is a very different world. It is I mean, very interesting the, 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 to the, see the, the 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 spectrum of sexuality and gender is much more in the middle and not in any way, well, sure. shape, form, male and female anymore. Right. Well, absolutely. And, that, which, and which, which also is, that includes a lot of the fact that no one actually is interested in sex. Which are, well, yeah, like I, I think that there's, I think that there is a, is, like, besides g- gender identification, I'm just talking about the concept of nudity. But yeah, they like don't actually a, yeah. want sex. So therefore, well, yeah, but there's, anything well, that involves anything that hints at sexuality, that, yeah, that is, is offensive. A difference. <laughs> yeah, like this is, yeah, this is, this is the, this is the real deal, which is like, first of all, I'm absolutely pro-trans and you know i am too but i just want Um, people to understand that that there is especially teenagers this has this has very little to do because like i think it's like you know people people validating their own gender identity is 100 percent what you should be doing with your life like the uh but i think that regard in regards to sexuality what i'm talking about is people policing other people's view of sexuality and That's this, what we've done about everything, is, right? This is this is what makes me uncomfortable. Is that like it's okay if if sex isn't your thing, if you don't, if you're not interested, this is all fine. But when people mm-hmm. are frightened of this kind of intimate contact, just as a thing, not as a negative thing, but as a positive thing, they they don't want to be reminded of it or see it so much so that they try to stop me from experiencing it in a film. Mm-hmm. Then I have a problem. Like the way to solve that problem is for you not to see the movie, not for you to make me not see the movie. Right. Like that's, that's what crosses the line. I agree. And, and I think that this is like, I mean, everyone's free to do as they please. I'm not going to try and like make oh, people see not, the stuff I, they don't want to see. I am. I agree. And I think that's what upsets me is that it's right. like, no, oh no. Like it is the, it is everyone the mor- needs to be in the middle of yeah. everything, including their own sexuality and like, their own it, desires. Everybody's, everyone's, everyone's identity and everyone's sexuality is their business to, uh, to, uh, uh, pronounce in the world as firmly as they wish to pronounce it, which I think is excellent, is totally excellent. However, I don't agree with people making other people act like them so that they are comfortable. And I mean that in terms of like, I'm, I don't like when Republicans try to make me act like a like you can't you know do these things or say these things or blah sure. blah blah um i don't like that i don't want people coming in trying to control my life and i don't want anyone else to have their life controlled by other people's moral opinions wow, you sound like a libertarian like it's just like it just <laughs> be responsible for yourself and voice your own feeling about yourself and control that that's your responsibility that's good and people should respect that absolutely Okay, so let's um, get into the story because we're already an hour bad. in and we haven't even gotten through the story. And then we right. have to sort of blast through this, which is unfair. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, but we'll we'll get to it. And then, and then we have to get to the debate. But let's let's just go. Max Lansido is on an archaeological site in uh, Iraq. He finds some evidence of uh, 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 he's a priest as well. He mm-hmm. finds some evidence of worshiping of the devil of some kind 
Yes, it's sort of Max von Sydow. It's not clear. Well, not yeah, clear. Ma- Max von Sydow is in uh, part of an archaeological dig. He is in particular interested about evidence of this uh, of this demon or this cult Hold on around one the demon. Keep talking. Yep. The um uh this demon named Pazuzu. When you don't, I don't even think Pazuzu is named in the movie, but it's later part of the the media of Exorcist, and uh and he finds uh, evidence of this cult in this um dig and uh and when he finds it there's a there's a strong suggestion that he has uh it has found him as well you know like that that pazuzu is particularly uh like he has fought pazuzu before in some sense spiritually uh and pazuzu is aiming for a rematch like no that's said out loud but that's the sort of tone that's set, especially in the classic image where in the end of that epilogue or a prologue, he is standing on one side of the screen facing a statue of Pazuzu on the other side of the screen. Sorry about that. Literally My like you're watching. My daughter's homecoming and she's all dressed up and looks so beautiful. And it's oh, like. Oh, it's awesome. That's great. 15. It just goes so fast, man. I'm like, yeah, it's what insane. the? Oh, congratulations to her. That's fantastic. Um, Thank but you. Like, and sorry, I left. Dan, you were saying that. Suzu. We gotta uh, move that, on. Yeah, so that <laughs> Pazuzu and uh, the statue of Pazuzu is facing off against Max von Sydow, literally like it's uh, two Old West characters about to enter a duel, and that's right. when the movie starts. Well, yes, and there's Pazuzu behind me. There you go. There you go. There's Pazuzu. Yeah, so you can see that <laughs> behind that. Okay, so so that happens, and then we're there in Georgetown, Washington, right? Right. And uh, we're introduced to. The mom, uh, who's played by Ellen Burstyn. Ellen Burstyn, who was in uh, the last picture show we talked about. Yeah, she's uh, made, uh, and she's also in uh, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. She's a terrific actor, one of right. the best actors. Ever. Very, very good actor. Now she plays an actor in this movie, mm-hmm. and she is acting uh, at a protest rally. Yeah, it's like with, a, some movie about a like a socially conscious movie about education, right? Know? And, and uh, with a with a director that. Basically, feels like a God. Movie. He's so like he's so funny, man. I love, uh, yeah, I love, I love this character, Burke. Yeah, yeah. he's he's hysterical. he's an like, English actor who's like a pretentious little director. Yeah, he's guy, like this right? little guy, and he's just like, and like he knows he's <clears throat> making a shitty movie, you know, and he's right. just like, you know, like they're they're filming the scene, and she's like, like, and it's and it's all very realistically shown, like they're having a sort of a debate in front of all the like the extras and everybody else that's there because she's a major star and she's like, I don't understand what's going on in the screenplay. And she's like, no, should we contact the right? He's you know, <laughs> drunk and written, whatever it is, you know, and everyone laughs about it. And they're just like, yeah, this is all just a fucking lark. You know, she's a millionaire, you know, a super famous actor. He's just like, it doesn't fucking matter what movie I make. She's the star. They're good friends, and it's a, just a day-to-day production of a regular shitty Hollywood movie. Right. And it's really – yeah, it's really charming. It's really interesting to see. Right. So so they they do that uh, uh, movie, and then they're, they're sort of hanging out, and, and, and uh, she has parties. She has a big house in Georgetown, probably a very expensive house in Georgetown. Georgetown is yeah. not yeah. a cheap you place. You notice that space? Yeah. Oof. I was like, yeah. ooh, la, Well, I mean, la. like, they don't yeah. joke around. Like, I mean, she is – like Rich. she's she is raising um her daughter by herself, but she is like a extremely successful actor. Like right, she she's yeah, like Meryl Streep level, Meryl Streep, etc. Like Ingrid Bergman, yeah. Like this, that's what she is suggested to be in this film, right? 
Yeah, she so, has she has help. She has like she's got in, invites from the president to come, you know, have dinner with a small group of people. This right. kind of stuff, right? <clears throat> and they 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 place those little nuggets like the uh, oh the, you have an invitation to go to the White House and it's like oh right. it must be a huge dinner. It's like no, I think it's just twelve of you. Yeah, it's just small. Yeah, yeah. and so it's and, like but ah. the way that they play it is very realistically very I mean, realistic. She, yeah, yeah, she's not it's not not trying to show her up as a character, but just to show her reaction as like very day to day person. You know, right. and uh, and mainly they keep on keying in on her relationship with her daughter Reagan, and right. uh, and how named they, after Ronald, Reagan. of course, the yeah. governor of California, and right. uh, and so like and the realism of that relationship, and how good she is to her, how much she cares about her, and how distanced they are from you know her husband and Reagan's father, and like all these little tiny bits of character building that are constantly happening, like she's one of the. She's one of my favorite characters. Uh, the mom is one of my favorite characters in seventies cinema, right? Because not only do they spend so much time developing this extremely realistic re um, relationship with the daughter, but they really build her as a independent, successful person that is very believable and very likable and a woman and, and a woman in the, in, you know, early seventies. Right. Um, and then the movie, when the movie challenges this, she doesn't, weaken she just gets harder like she's she getting, goes she, much she 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 takes her mom mode to the next level where it's yeah, like okay exactly. it's time to stop being the famous actress right. and start really honing in on mom right because right? even movies today take this kind of a character and make them like <laughs> i'm oh, gonna stop to being do. a famous actress and i right. want to start being a famous actress with a problem child yeah, like it's like oh she's well, and what's really great is that and the doctors, becomes, the doctors yeah, were like, it's terrific. All my friends, that's like, so like they're so fucking patronizing and just like, well, you have to understand, Mrs. McNeil, that we're doctors and we know more than you do, and this is just constant. The and devil like any, has shenanigans. Yeah, is exactly. that like every any parent watching this movie is like understanding this kind of bullshit frustration, right. you know? Uh, but as a as a uh, like as her character. Who has already proven herself as this major like she's in control of her life one hundred percent, and right. here are these old dudes talking down to her like she gets more and more frustrated and more and more angry. And this is where I think the movie is is still unmatched is that she becomes extremely unlikable, like not, and I mean that in a positive sense, like as why because like, she has strength. Yes. And this is what movies fail to do all the time is like make a strong character, make a like she is fucking fed up in this movie. Like, well, hold on a second. Isn't this a lot like, um, oh God, what's her name? Uh, I'm sorry. You know, Cassavetti's wife. Oh yeah. Gina Rollins. Where yeah. she did that movie. Um, what's the movie she did where she's like that super strong woman in New York. Oh yeah, yeah, um, uh, la 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 la. It's one of Cassavetti's movies. It's famous yeah. for. It. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, and she's she's a, another example. But th that's sort of like still indie film world, right? This is a oh, big yeah. studio release, and to have someone, uh, an actor as good as Burston, really commit to. She's like, I'm not here to be charming. I'm here to save my daughter, and she's just, like, the more she's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like that's her reaction though, like. All you fucking idiots can't do anything. Like you, you're trying to talk me into thinking but that some of that strength and that type of character was picked up by like Cher for Silkwood. Yeah, that's um, true. That's a good and, point. Um, uh, the uh, network 
right? Oh, yeah. Or the one with Jane Fonda in the nuclear facility. Uh, yeah, I love that movie. China, China Syndrome. China Syndrome. Great movie. China uh, Syndrome. Uh, 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 yeah, China Syndrome. Syndrome. Yeah. But it's, it is very rare and it's very risky. Forget about it, Jake. It's just it's a nuclear reactive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, it's very risky and very rare. It's That's just, forget about it, Jake. It's just you a put nuclear that into reactive. the show, Chernobyl. Yeah. Forget okay. about it. Forget about it. it. <laughs> it's just a nuclear meltdown. <laughs> oh my God, I love Chernobyl. But yeah, like, I've been watching like, that again. It's fucking masterful. And I also watched last night uh, Cocaine Bear, which I love. Oh, nice. Excellent. That's good. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. By the way, do you know where that was so, filmed? Uh, hold on. You loved Cocaine Bear, but hated <laughs> but Exorcist, Exorcist 3. Three. I'm just going <laughs> to... We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> okay. All right. We can do this. We power Okay. We can Actually, do this. Cocaine I, Bear was a movie that knew itself. It knew what it was and right, what it was yeah. trying to do. Exorcist 3 is a movie that has no direction. It does not know what it is. It doesn't know what its history is. Right. And it just, it doesn't know anything about set design, art direction, or acting. I love this. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is, I, I validate all of this. Yeah, I, I totally accept your point of view. And I don't disagree. I don't disagree that these are, these are, I, uh, I do. Feelings that you have. <laughs> I did, I did. I agree that these are feelings he has. Yes, I yes. agree. And 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 you know where you're coming from because you're an art director, and set designer, uh, and a director. So like, I mean, absolutely, none of my disagreement has anything to do with mm. the validity of your opinion. Oh, it's astonishing, man. Yeah. It really is. But you know what was funny is because I've seen uh, okay, going back to Exorcist, the first one, uh, because I've seen this movie like parodied and done so many times, I almost thought. Like in my mind, that the movie starts with the party scene. Oh yeah, the party scene is a little later, yeah. way later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a, it's a great scene. That house was very expensive, by the way. You're right. Yes, very expensive. Two house. It's two levels in yeah. Georgetown. Yes. Good God, I can't even imagine. I, I actually, I actually did know a, a a friend of ours who had a, a two level house in Brownstone in Georgetown on N Street. Wow. Is that where it was? Very successful. Yeah. This was, it was on N Street. Yes. Because the stairs go down to M Street, which is a very famous street, obviously, in Georgetown. I don't know if you guys know Georgetown. Love Georgetown. Well, Georgetown's really nice. I I have been to these stairs, actually. Yes. Oh, you've been to the stairs? Nice. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really lovely there. Really, really nice. Uh, but yeah, like it's, I think that it's, it's awesome that Friedkin and Burston are so risky to make the decision of making a, Hollywood movie in which the main character becomes so enraged that she is no longer enjoy an enjoyable presence in the film. Like she is like, you're just like, wow, she is super fucking mad. Like that's the only, that's, that's where she lands and and the matter she is, the more it's meaningful when she breaks, mm. when she's like, when she gives in saying like, I think I need an exorcist. She earns that so fucking hard because she is telling everybody else how wrong they are, and then she has to admit well, she has nowhere left to go. I think that's what makes it so believable. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Because she's like, you don't say like, aha, I need an exorcist. Yeah. And that's the solution. No, it's like, I am so fucking desperate. Yes. It's fuck y'all. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, <laughs> the solution that made the least sense is the only, only thing like, I can choose. everything else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be one of these fucking doctors anyway. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, and I think that that's a, like in any other, and you know, and just like Hollywood mainstream movies, like they try to like, I mean, no matter who you got in the thing, 
you try to make the character remain likable. And this movie is just goes for broke and says, if you're a parent of a child who is in medical trouble, like niceness goes out the fucking window. Yeah. Like that's the first thing, you know? Right. And it made, and it makes me invest so firmly in Burston's character and the trick of the movie. And this is the brilliance of it is that because she is won over, I am won over. Like, all of that, the entire lead up, all of the drama, all the setting building, everything about her character, every all of her anger, all of that is so when she gives in because she believes, that transfers my belief in something that I don't believe in. Like, hmm. I'm emotionally invested in the reality of the movie because of her realism. And it's just flawlessly done. And they just let her do it. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, but essentially, yes. Uh, everything it's also based to, on a true story, isn't it? It's a, yeah. There's a there's a there's a classic case that it's referencing. Um, I don't think it like I don't think the details are the same, but it's Blatty was inspired by hearing a story about this. Blatty himself was a very religious person, and so he wrote The Exorcist from a believer's standpoint. And I think that what makes the movie work is that I'm not sure if Friedkin in that part of his life was very religious. No, I, like Matt, and I think that it's the tension between those things that makes the movie very convincing. Right. Uh, so he does, um, uh, we see a very normal life of essentially a single mother, famous, rich, single mother <laughs> right. going through things. And then there's a party scene. Very, this is a very, by the way, that party is like very, that when I used to live in, uh, Cairo and my parents would have parties. That's mm -hmm. it. Felt this like is the kind of thing that. Those funny. are the kind of parties they had. Yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah, gay priest, the gay priest who well, becomes one of the main characters of uh, Exorcist Three. Yes, he is one of the main yep. characters yep. of Exorcist Three. But uh, uh, that party is feels uh, and just me being upstairs and being separate from it. Yes, right? yes, yes. And it's, not it, being. You're right. It creates this atmosphere. That's so like excellently insular. Right. right. There's a socialized downstairs. Let's pretend yeah. the kids are, we're going to be adults and we do it. Oh, and then suddenly the kid arrives. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh, you're interrupting the fun and goodness. Did you ever do that world. to your parents? Like go in front of all the guests and then pee? Uh, not pee. No, I didn't pee. Oh, no, no. reference refer to the Chronicles of Rick story. <laughs> no. Yes, that's what he did on the couch. Oh, that's my there, son over there looking at all the guests and just staring uh, at them in the eyes, <laughs> making I eye contact. Away. Uh, oh lovely. my god! <laughs> oh man! Did you ever watch? Uh, did you ever watch the uh, uh, the whitest guys alive? Do you ever see that? Oh, whitest kids, you know? That's yeah. hysterical. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. When the guy, the guy, they made this joke. He's like, yeah, whatever. And he just, just does this and it goes, right? And he's like, oh, okay. And so he learns that gesture and he, he just is like, yeah, whatever. And he just goes, <laughs> just slow, just slowly oh, does the gesture and stares at him. And it's like, what are you doing? That's not how you do it. He goes, you can't do it slow. Slow is creepy. Don't make eye contact. What are you doing? <laughs> Oh man! Well, yeah, it was so called it's... the slow jerk episode. If you want to look that up <laughs> on YouTube, you can. That's brilliant. 
That's bad. Yeah. Since we've already gone fairly blue on this episode, yeah, I might as well, as well go all the way. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a pilot. <laughs> all right. So, so, so yes, she comes down and she pees on the carpet and that's the sort of the signal of something's gone wrong, right? Right. And right. she continues to deteriorate. I'm trying to get through this because we're way, way, way slow. Well, yes, we are having just, such a good time. But, Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. We, we let, me, get, let me quickly insert, like, we should introduce that part of the key story that's happening is the, the young priest. The young like, yes, we, yes. We, do, we should make sure that that's Dimitri. Included. Yes, okay. Uh, 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 Damien. Damien. Right, Damien. And so Damien. Damien, 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 Damien. I call him Dimitri because he's Greek. So, so it cuts between her and uh, this priest named uh, Damien, uh, who is maybe, you know, mid-30s or something like this. He who seems like is a, a psychiatrist. Yeah, he's, a, and he's, he's trained like in a, psychiatry. Yeah, and so like, he's a, he seems like a very genuine good person. He is he's you know he's a priest, but he's very much based in reality. Spirituality is ba- very much based in the real world. In science too. In science, he is a psychiatrist. He mm-hmm. he comes at everything like this has to be. We I have to think of this as science. All the old world, old school, you yeah. know, Christian shit is like that's. Well, and he's a rid of boxer. Stuff. And he's a boxer. Yeah. yeah. And and this is played by uh, what's his name Miller. Um, who uh, is a playwright himself uh, who wrote uh, that championship season. So he's actually an immense talent, Um, but he was also a sports guy as an actor beforehand. So like he pulls off the boxing priest thing surprisingly well. Right. And we see a sketch of his life where uh, he is, you know, he's taking care of his invalid mother at her house and has to go and take care of her. But like things are, you know, there's not a lot of money and she's getting worse and worse shape. And there's a thing whether or not he should take her to a home. Uh, and you're getting more of an empath- a sympathetic story about him as he gets closer to the Reagan and um, Chris McNeil story. Right. <clears throat> and his brother also takes her to uh, an asylum right. so that she can get health care at the asylum. Right. Even though she's not disturbed. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so she ends up in this horrible place and she blames uh, him even though he's not at fault, he didn't know anything about this. Like, and right. he comes in and he's just like, Oh mama, I'm coming to take you home. And she's like, she's waving away. Like, Demi, how could you do this to me? And all this kind of stuff. And it's very sad. And then she dies and he is completely heartbroken. Yeah, she dies in a horrible place. Yeah. yeah like incredibly it's like, and so he, and he tells his, um, you know, basically his boss, he's just like, I am not fit for being a priest anymore. Like mm. I've lost my faith. I'm not the guy you want doing any of this stuff. This yep. is it. Right. Yeah. And so he is in, he is in a terrible place in his life when after all these, uh, you know, after, uh, you know, all, like the signs of possession in the little girl have manifested themselves for so long that Chris McNeil is, you know, Alan Burstman has taken her to wave after wave of doctors and perform. And, and they all smoke, which is awesome. All, they all smoke. I know. All these horribly intrusive tests. They're giving like a spinal and all this. That's, They're doing like, these massive brain scans. So this is before obviously CAT scan machines or whatever, but you can see these hard metal machines making these loud noises fun. and her head is in a, like in a vice. Yeah. Yeah. And they're it's basically so like, there's something wrong with her brain. It's like, yeah. I don't think it's like, like her bed is levitating. It's like, yeah, she's exactly. shaking the bed. Yeah. <laughs> and the doctors are just a bunch of fucking assholes. Like there's a bunch of, you know, classic, you know, male dominated group. And they're just like, you don't know what you're talking about. Do you? And they talk down to her the whole time. Meanwhile, you're seeing this. Poor yeah, it girl. was interesting because they, 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 the acting and the directing is very good. They don't actually say that. 
Well, they're not cartoonish they, about it, right? No, no. They, they were you like, know? yeah, we understand, you know, your feelings, but, you know, this is, you know. Yeah. Like, they're, they're not they're not played one-sided, right? Right. Like, what is happening is still very real, right? Like, she is like, it's like, we don't want to listen to what you're saying. It's very foolish, and you don't know what you're saying. And then that's sure. it. Like, that's 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 where that and you can see the frustration builds because of this she the you know the little girl like the scenes with the, the medical scenes are some of the scariest in the movie like they're bloody they're like like when the yeah. machines turned on it's like bah, 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 and it's really overwhelming and scary plus have you ever had a cat scan <laughs> i've yeah. never, never had a cat scan. Or, or an mri have you ever had an mri like this yeah. it's a, they <laughs> absolutely simulate the terror of this and you feel terrible for the little girl let me give you let me give you a little story about my mri i had an mri done on my spine when i had to have spinal surgery and a lot of people have had mri it's not a big deal but I go in there and I'm like, oh, an MRI. And then I hear all the sounds. You know, you're not supposed to wear any metal or anything like that. Right. And then I left the MRI and uh, I look into the room where they're looking at the scans. And I realize the machine they're using for the MRI machine is an SGI. <laughs> oh, shit. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, that's amazing. Yeah. It's an Antari 800. <laughs> wow. And they're like... Yeah, it still works. I'm like, oh god, oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah. You haven't rewritten the code since the SGI. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, like I yep. still run another world on this thing, and when I'm off, oh. off hours. But yeah, like this is, and the stuff you see in this movie is even more caveman style. It's so crazy. Yeah, no, and, and the uh, machines are, are 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 scary as hell. Yeah, it's amazing. Plus, yeah. as a little side note, uh, the nurse that runs her through all this stuff, the guy with the beard is a real life serial killer like the guy in the scene turned out to be the actor turned out to oh be that's right a serial killer that's and right he is uh he became the inspiration for friedkin's movie cruising that's and right he was actively killing people while the exorcist was happening so it's a very strange little beat. Ooh, they made a doc about yeah. that yeah it's really wild Ooh. it's really really wild yeah and so you just okay. this like completely normal uh, you know background actor guy yeah christopher nichols though it was no, nichols nichols i think that nichols. maybe it's the european pronunciation yeah mm. but yeah it's uh it's it's spooky to watch this they always pronounce my name thing. nicholas nichols nicholas nicholas <clears throat> but uh but yeah so all this is happening these two stories converge when she finally uh i mean like the stuff that's happening with reagan is getting worse and worse and worse when she's getting she's damaging herself like she is cutting her own face. Like there's a scene, one of the most shocking scenes is like, you know, the psychologists come over to talk to her and she is stabbing herself in the crotch with a cross and like there's blood everywhere. And she's like, there's, there's moments when you see slightly what could be supernatural things. Like she seems to throw someone across the room with the force of a Mack truck, this kind of stuff. Um, but finally Chris McNeil is like, I, need to talk to this priest because I know him from the beginning of the movie and ask him if he can help me get an exorcism because I've, I'm out of, I'm out of ideas. Right. Okay. And so that starts, he starts to talk to her, but then what happens? Well, he's like immediately, he's just like, Oh, that's crazy. It's <laughs> like, I don't mean exorcism. Yeah. You yeah. have to go back into a time machine. A time machine. <laughs> like that's not something that really happens anymore because right. it's a little bit backwards. 
Yes. Uh, Unless you go to the movies and you watch The Conjuring. (laughs) Right, exactly. And so he, like, takes a very... He has to go through the same process that she has already gone through in the movie, right? Yeah, he goes like, through that. He's still like a yeah, yeah. And so like he, like he goes to talk to Reagan and in, and interview this so called possession. And it's some of the like this is where the real meat of the movie begins because like him and, he has like, to prove he has to prove several things mm-hmm. for the church to buy it, right? Because right. like the church acknowledges the exorcism. However, they're like they make the 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 bar really hard for you to yeah, say they, the church doesn't want to embarrass itself but they, they exactly yeah, they don't want yeah. to turn into a bunch of witch doctors right exactly right. and so like the so uh you know he has to like there's you know there has to be evidence like speaking in a language she's never learned or you know, right. you know whatever some other spiritual powers and so he goes there and he like he just records his conversations and like there's strange things that are not immediately explainable um but there's nothing like spectacular going on but then she starts speaking in this strange tongue right and, and they're like, like, must be like what is this is that's the language is it like it's like no it's not a language it's english it's backwards english. but it's yeah it's a, it's, it's just per, you just reverse it and she's right. like it's like so it's not a language she doesn't understand but how the hell did she learn how, how to flawlessly speak english backwards, backwards. <laughs> and seemingly in multiple voices like yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. and so like there's and and so the voices of the uh it's not just the voice of Pazuzu. It is the voice. It's the voices of many devils inside her. Right. right? And uh, so it gets even freakier and stranger. And then I believe they bring up like that. This is uh, like, it's the, you know, it's like the, why in is the it bi- many devils? I thought it was one devil, but with playing games and doing different voices. This is the thing. It's like all everything. And this is what Max von Sydow brings up. It's just like everything that it says is lies. And of course, it, and it will use every tool that it can to break you, and it will lie to you in order to break you. So, so even the Donald multiple, Trump, yeah, basically. <laughs> and so the multiple voices, any of these things, are all just tools that is using to get in your mind. And that's the greatest danger, isn't that it has crazy magic powers? It's that it can psychologically destroy you and you know tear your uh, tear your soul apart by wrecking you with guilt. You know, and hating yourself as opposed to like, and then I'll spin you around and snap your neck. Like, that's not what the devil is there for. The devil is there to um, corrupt you and destroy your own soul. And uh, right. you make that make that decision. And so the uh, and so it, it becomes convincing enough to the church that they're like, well, we can't let you do this because you were just telling us that, you know, you lost your faith. And you're just sort of a minor guy in the church. Right. Um, uh, Father Damien. But we can um, maybe talk to Father Karras. And Father Karras is Max von Sydow, who we haven't seen since the beginning of the film. And because Karras has done exorcisms before in his... Nearly killed him. And yeah, like he's like, when his work in Africa, he famously did such and so. But like like, the exorcism went on for like six Months. months. Yeah. You know, and so you start going like, like, I mean, one of my favorite things in the movie is like, you start being really like, how much time is passing in this movie? Mm. You know, because it's really very, like, there'll be big time jumps, but you don't know whether it was weeks or months or whatever. You definitely sense that from all the medical tests. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You see the, the, it goes on forever. It goes on for a long time. Right. So you definitely sense that, uh, that, that, that there's something that 
took forever. Like, you know, oh, we did this test, we did that test, and then we was like, we don't know. And it was like, it's something, and it was like, it's, and it's like something wrong with her. It's in her brain, it's in her brain. Like, so all of right. this stuff is like, you know that those, t- especially if they're inconclusive, that takes right. forever. Yeah, right? it just goes on and on. And like the, and Friedkin is really great at capturing this like, a timeless quality of stress like this where you're just like you can tell the characters don't even know how long this has been fucking going on it's like has this been three months like well you right, could tell by her because she's yeah. like at her wits end yeah, yeah. trying to figure right. out what's wrong with her child like she she gives the feeling towards that point in the movie she puts off the vibe of like i am uh i don't even remember when i wasn't doing this like this has been an ongoing car crash for so long that I'm just living in tragedy constantly. Right. Um, and, uh, and in this, in the, in this moment where she's like at her lowest, like, I don't know what to do. That's when, uh, she like, she has to go out. Uh, she leaves a babysitter in charge. Um, the director, her friend Burke comes over. You've seen him drunk at the party, right? That you can tell that they're friends. um, and the babysitter has to go and do something. So she leaves Burke just to be in the house uh, while uh, she goes and takes care of something and be right back. But when she comes back, the windows of the room are open and Burke is at the bottom of the stairs on M street with his neck turned all the like his head turned all the way around neck broken. Right. That was, was that into First one or the third one? Because that's, it, uh, that's the, the first one. Okay. That's the set. That's the setup for the third. The one. setup for the yeah. right. It is it, but is the but Burke is killed, and that's when you see Ellen Burstyn's like she like she instantly knows what has happened, right? right? She's like, oh fuck! Like Reagan killed this guy, killed my friend, but killed this guy, right? right. And but she doesn't want. It was after the party, though, that he, she killed. It's, him. A, it's, a, it's after the party, yeah. Like right. and uh, and. So she's like, and you can see it in her face. The detective Kinderman comes along, starting to investigate like this murder, this apparent like either you know either you know um, uh, completely wild accident or murder. And right. he starts asking the priest what's going on. Yeah, you know, like like there's been weird shit going on with you know desecrating churches. And is this part of this? Are there Satanists here? What's going on? And if you knew of anybody, Father, that was crazy enough to do this in these terms, would you tell me? Or are you going to be bound by, you know, uh, your psychiatric rules of not, you know, um, uh, indemnifying that your client? Uh, and he's like, well, I can always say it was a matter of confession. And, and then I don't have to tell you shit. Right. right. And so you can tell with that, like, he will stand by Reagan. Like, right. He, like, he doesn't even know that Reagan's done it. But... He would like he is a, he is of a character that will stand by this girl, right? Right. Um, and so when Kinderman, who's a very nice guy, played by an excellent actor, guy from um, uh, uh, famously played in Death of the Salesman, but also is known for Twelve Angry Men. He's the sort of most resistant one in um, uh, Twelve Angry Men. Uh, he goes to see um, the mother, and he's very kind, and he's sort of, sort of starstruck by her, and asks for an autograph and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. awkward and weird. And 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 like this 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 very long scene where he's very gentle about suggesting that someone she knows killed her friend in that room by throwing him out the fucking window. And right. he's like, and then he's so like, I don't want this to. He doesn't want it to be true, so he's not saying it. She doesn't want it to be true, 
even though she knows it's true. So she's not saying it. And when he leaves, he's like, well, thank you very much. Let me know if you, and she closes the door and you can see her like, oh my God, like if we don't solve this now, like our lives are over. Yeah. Like, over. yeah. So not only is my daughter have issues, but she might've killed the director. <laughs> she may, she may have murdered the director and killed like my, my good friend Burke. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. like now it's just like, it's, it's reached another level by the time that, uh, finally, um, Damien gets the church to go along with the exorcism. Yeah. And that's when the third act starts. And the third act is essentially, like I said earlier, like it's a play. Right. Like it's like, it's, it's three people in a room, two priests and a girl. And that's when the, the and he's an old priest and a new priest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, by the way, Alan Schneller says, Hey, 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 nice hey, to see, hey. Alan. Nice to see Alan. Um, uh, okay. So, uh, so yes, this scene is, uh, obviously lots of stuff goes on in this scene. Uh, very famously, uh, she, uh, uh, is very vulgar, <laughs> mm-hmm. extraordinarily shockingly vulgar to priests. Right. Right. And that's kind of the point. And it's beautiful, like, because the voice now is no longer played by um, uh, Linda Blair, but by Mercedes McCambridge, who's uh, one of the great old school actors. And, like, they had her drink a bunch of whiskey and smoke a bunch of cigarettes. And so, like, her devil voice is, like, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I have a boss like that in <laughs> Bulgaria. She smokes a lot of cigarettes and drinks a lot of whiskey. But Yeah, like, yeah I was like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. She's, uh, she's absolutely terrific. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a good voice actually. Uh, mm-hmm. but she, she does, uh, you know, it's a, uh, lots of interesting things going on. Obviously there's a lot of vulgarity and insult and lying, right? That's the big right. thing about the lying. Tell them about right. the lying. Well, this, this is the deal is like Max von Sato, like, you know, he meets Max von Sato shows up, he talks to Damien and Damien's immediately like, okay, let me give you the layout here that I think there's three different manifestations of personalities there's bubble and and Maxwell said is like no, there's only one, there's only there's only one thing going on here, yeah. like all the, all they the don't fucking trust. don't trust just don't listen to anything it says all a lie like everything is a lie that's that and uh, and it will try to destroy you uh, emotionally spiritually everything with whatever it says so don't let it in and so that becomes the struggle for Damien because like Damien as you've already seen in his setup is racked with guilt. Like he, right. even before his mother dies, he's like, I don't have faith. The world is so bad. Why? I can't believe in God. If he's going to let the world be like this. And now it's basically, you know, he's the weak link of these two priests. Like there's Max von Sato, who looks really solid emotionally, but is a 90 year old man. And then there's the boxing priest who's physically in the trim, but he is like, I don't believe in God anymore. I'm inexperienced yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very susceptible to having my, uh, my, my ego be broken by the thing that we're trying to conquer. Right. And so and like, the thing that's interesting also is Max Van Sydow's character is like, she throws all kinds of stuff, including vomit and everything yeah, else. Right. Sure. And he does not flinch. He just like Once. keeps going. He is stone cold. He's let's just like, let, let's do it again. Do it yep. again. Do it again. Yep. And it's just basically like, <laughs> it's just it's like r- rinse, repeat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is, he is locked and he's just like, I know how to beat this thing. And it's just through complete dedication Keep marching yes. ahead. This is faith. it. Faith. faith. It's about yes, faith. faith. Right? Exactly. It's about he faith. Knows. So that's the thing that I think is very interesting, especially from the church point of view, right? Because he is the most faithful. 
Yes. He's more faithful than any of the other church characters we see. Anyone else. Yeah. He knows the other ones are conflicted about the truth of it, but he's seen, but they, he's seen the devils when he was in Iraq. Yes. Yes. Right? So that solidifies his kind of like, um, understanding of the underlying of the problem, whereas the others don't. They're stuck. You know, well, yeah, the other out. guys are talking about like how the church looks and the church can't back this and we can't support this because blah, blah, blah. It's political. It's all political. Yeah, and but the next Sino is is like, like I hate to... <laughs> but that's why having religion. him in Iraq, yeah, exactly. <laughs> having him in Iraq was yeah. important to set that yes. background up. Yeah, because yeah, yes. he's, a, he's yes. in this place which is like, there's this is a no bullshit experience that he's having, right? There's no there's no layers of politics that are in between him and his struggle for um, uh, faith, rightness, and truth, right? And you get the sense that he is not so much a validation of the church as an entity, but of humanness, right? Uh, of goodness in the world, right? Like he could give a shit about the church. He's like, this is how we stand against evil, regardless of the form that evil takes. Right. And yes, there's rules, there's church stuff that I do, all this kind of stuff. But like, he's not doing it because he's interested in the knickknacks or in the politics of the church. Like, he's like, evil exists in the world and there's only one way to fight it. And that is through, through, through patience, love, firmness of action. And that's it. And right. that's what he does. Like, uh, cause he is very, like, he is not, like, he's not, like, He's not angry at Reagan. He's not violent or about anything. He's just like, he's just forceful and repetitive. Like this will get beat. But unfortunately he is an old, old man and the devil, at least in, or Pazuzu in round one beats him. (laughs) As you can see that he has heart problems and they go through a really tough fight with this, uh, with this thing. And uh, he's like, excuse me, Damien, I have to go take some pills. And he goes off and takes some pills. And then in that moment, one of my favorite mm-hmm. moments in the movie, Damien goes into the room alone for a moment. He opens the door and it just cuts to his mother sitting on the bed. Yes, which is where Eric is right here. Yeah, like this is one of the, it's one of the best cuts, in my opinion, in movie history. Yes. Like it hits so hard, so out of the blue, and it's so emotional. And you can see that it gets right under his skin. You know, like it, it's instantly effective and the only, the edit's only like three seconds long and it cuts back to him. And then when, um, Maximus Sato comes back in, like Damien is already broken, you know? And, uh, he's just like, they're trying to do the exorcism and, uh, she's spouting her filth and he's like, your mother's in here with us, you know? And she's like, and then she says, Damien, why are you doing this to me, Damien? You know, all this stuff. And He's screaming and crying, going, you're not my mother. And then the old priest yeah, is he like, can't handle that. Yeah. He just, he snapped. He's, he's lost. And that's when Max von said, I like, do, I do want to say one thing that was very interesting to me is also, so when she, before she dies or around the time she dies, uh, Damien has a dream of mm-hmm. her. Oh yeah. And, yes. This is great. Yeah. Right. Subway dream. And yeah. so the subway, right. And she's like crying to him. Right. Yeah. And there's no voice. It's a, the, there's no voice, voice and just yeah. him looking for her. And she's like lost and confused. And, uh, they do that and they put in like two frames of a corpse into yeah. the scene. Right. Yeah. 
There's and some great little back then that was called subliminal advertising. Yeah. Oh. But it's it, so obvious now. We we oh, you see, see we're so media we savvy that we catch two frames yeah, out of twenty four right, so it. easily. Yeah. It's not subliminal at all. It's still I mean it's still very effective. It's but effective, it's, but, it, but it's but more it, stylistic it's, 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 than it is subliminal. It has nothing to do with like it used to be like oh they're trying to sell you coke. You remember remember yeah. the remember that big thing yeah, the, like the the the, the, yeah, the, the, like... the QAnons of the nineteen eighties when they try to <laughs> right. tell you that they're trying to sell you coke in movie theaters by inserting uh, coke uh, uh, stuff into uh, French. Yeah. It was the it, same thing, right? So right. they put the corpse scene in there, and people were like I was affected by the corpse. Was like I saw it clearly. Yeah, there was a corpse. And then, like, Right. And it's and it's very like it's very filmically and emotionally effective that you see these things, but right. it's not like they're unconscious, right? Like, mm. like there's great uh, there's great like two frame shots of the devil's face, sure. which is which and it's brilliant because it's just a guy with red eye, like red uh, stained eyes, not even like contacts, um, right. in weird makeup, and it's way more effective than if they had made a monster. Like, yes. you just see this like like when she rolls her head over, and for a second you can see like in all black this one like lit face. It's fucking yeah. startling as hell, you know, and it's really, it, really effective. It is, it is, and it definitely feels a little dated too, like 1970s dated. I'm not, I'm I, not saying it's I, not, in, not, I wish, not in, I honestly wish that they would be that good today. Like there, there is not a horror movie made in 15, 20 years that's anywhere near as good and effective as this. Sure. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. And yeah, like, and this thing is done, like these kinds of effects are done simply because of editing, you know, as opposed to, you know, at VFX and not to pick on CG. Now I do like, want to talk. Okay, back to CG. Right, because this is something else I noted. Looking at it now, like, all these years later, right? Mm-hmm. Uh the the breaths. Oh yeah, I was I I was there. They shot in a refrigerator. The no, room is they, built it's a, a soundstage. Yeah. I was I've been to that soundstage. Yeah, it's a when refri- I did um uh um. Music video for Bruce Springsteen's wife. It was on a was like a last minute. Somebody called me, Carlo, and he said, "Will you do it with Merritt Avies, who was U2's video director?" Mm-hmm. And it was only about six of us. And then that's uh, that was the time I had you know went to the lunch and Bruce you know met Bruce, hung out right. with Bruce, and uh, at the Sony Sound Stages on West Fifty Third Street um, in New York. They showed me it was beneath the soundstage. They built a refrigerated room. Right. Yep. yep. So and everyone froze their ass off and did it. And he's like, that's the So, so those are their actual great. breaths. That's why it yeah. looks so good. It's, it's great. underneath the soundstage. You lift these uh, things up and it's it there. freezing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Literally, it's literally a complete freezing. refrigerator yeah. unit. It was like 50 yeah. seconds. High humidity refrigerated room. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Which is the kind of thing you get sick in. Like you get... Yeah, that's fucking, like that's like they call it the bronchitis room, right? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they did the same thing with uh, the thing, like the thing they used to refer. Oh, really? That as well, yeah. And like everybody got fucking sick. <laughs> like they're all yeah. Just that sounds like a like a nightmare. Yeah, it's really bad, but it's incredibly effective. There's very yeah. You very, have to backlight everything though. Yeah, so you catch that that smoke coming. Yeah, out. and like, but today it's just like sometimes they like digitally doing breath is very hard to make it. Yeah, it's so viable, good. You right. know? And like there, there's a couple of, couple of movies that have gotten away with it, I think, but universally nothing matches the real thing. Shoot they try to get, like, I remember like can. that was Fincher was pissed off during uh social, uh, the social, social network. network right. Because the breaths that, that, that were looking a little, not the, real. Well, one plane. Yeah. yeah like a, like, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when it's like, like what's really like a weird muzzle is, flash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it's what's really funny is that when you see people really like when they go like it's fucking everywhere. It's like whoosh, yeah, you know? you know, it's really and and so like the all of the like when you know when they're chanting and all this kind of stuff like it's like you see clouds of real breath like that is right. totally fucking convincing. It really, oh, yeah. really works. It's brilliant. It's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so like they, they, they do this. Damien is broken. Uh, Karras is like, Damien, get out, you know, and just lays out. Right. Nope. Can't use anymore. And he's like, I'm so saying, just get the fuck out. Get out. Yeah. Like, because of the, like she's, he got <laughs> the, the devil got you with the mother impression. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's like rich right? little so, attacked you. This yeah. is terrible. And rich, so like, <laughs> rich little attacked you. <laughs> he did the little, he gave you a little, um, but yeah, he, like, they, they kicked Damien out and Damien's like, I have fucked it up. This is bad right. news. Yep. Right. And then, uh, old priest goes in to deal with it himself and yep. Damien's left outside. Like, all right. I'll take a break and I'll go back in. Takes a break. He talks to Chris McNeil. Like, and she's like, and this is, this is the turning point for Damien in the film is like, he is hit his lowest point. He is broken by the, by Pazuzu. He goes down, feels incredibly depressed. And, uh, uh, Chris McNeil comes to him and she admits her greatest fear, which is, is she going to die? Like, it's the only time in the movie that she's felt, that low so they're mm. both at their lowest lowest point right and as soon as she says it you see he regains his strength because he's like i see this in this woman's eyes and i can't let her daughter die no matter what my fucking personal problems are knowing like anything else i have to do this and that's when he decides to go back in and the moment he goes back in he sees that Pazuzu has killed the old man. Right. Right. And he's, you know, perched up and giggling that he's murdered, murdered Max von Sato. And that's when the boxer comes out. Yeah. And he fucking takes a hold of, uh, Reagan and punches her in the face. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and then what does he say? He says, come into me coming right. to me and he slaps her and slaps her and slaps her and you can see the devil you know appearing momentarily on his own face you right. know and through his eyes through yeah and so like uh and you know he rears up you can see his face is physically changing because the devil's like you got it baby let's do this right. you know i'm gonna you possess got you got it baby let's do this <laughs> takes <laughs> a hold of the soul baby i'll possess leaves you leaves the little girl yep. and in his last act he jumps out the window and kills himself to, down the stairs. Yeah, down the stairs. Goes and down the stairs. Down the stairs. Falls down the stairs. Uh, yeah. in a bloody mess. That, and those yeah. stairs are treacherous. Yeah, so we say. Yeah. You yeah. can see someone dying in those things yeah. pretty seriously. There, yeah. It's not like you know. It's it's way more treacherous than John Wick Four stairs. <laughs> yeah, no, it's ba- it's bad. Like these are the kinds of things where you hold the rail and you sort of lean back a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. The way it goes. Did um, you? By the way, Eric, did you ever see John Wick Four? Yeah. Yeah. Then, then um, that is almost, I think that may still be my favorite movie of the year. It's like, I love that movie. movie that was good. John Wick 4 was great. Yeah. It's like, cool. you, you nailed it, Daniel, when you said John Wick 4 is like a video game and an opera. Yeah, <laughs> it is exactly. Together. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, amazing. It's really, it's really something. It was it's really, really good. Like the action is it's so good and is yeah. so 
completely over the top. Like yeah, just the but that's the love. That's the that's the love of John Wick. Yeah, the fact absolutely. that you can have this massive all-out fight in a club in Berlin while dancers are going dancers off. Are it's like going, it's crazy. But that's the classic <laughs> filmmaking. You know, you go on a a journey. Yeah. And, oh yeah. 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 The, the the stakes are simple but high. You know, and the challenges get ever yep. greater. It's just perfect. That's a perfect it's, it's, I don't know. I just, yep. to me, that is, a, that is, an, it, there is escapism in different ways, right? You know, you're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you know, Armageddon, whatever, terrible escape. That is right. the kind of escapism that's, that I enjoy. That's gold. It's pure gold. It's that's one of the, the best, that's one of the very the, best action films I've ever seen. It's, it is uh, a very good action. It's yeah. one of the best action films. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, it's granted, hard, it's hard, it's hard Predator is up there. Predator yeah. is a very good mm, action. Oh, Predator is a, is a special kind of thing because, like, Predator really shouldn't work at all, but it works. Yes, like like that. That's the brilliant. It's just like there's something so blue collar perfect about this movie. There is something blue collar about Predator. Is that, true. That they just every time <laughs> they try to recapture it, they get too yeah. fancy. I you mean, know what's funny? Like, uh, so uh, so I was at uh, uh, so I was at the play that I was telling you about yesterday with my. My daughter and I was uh, with uh, the boys. There was uh, uh, my my son and two of his uh, uh, co-stars. He's also in drama. Uh, mm-hmm. The three boys that are in drama in middle school in this in their class, and they were doing the predator clap like. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. And they were trying to get that perfect, like yeah. that like perfect pop. <laughs> slap. Yeah, that's the greatest. And it was like funny because Brady showed me like uh, a couple years ago, like. The predator clap, you know, and then when he did that, someone made a YouTube or a TikTok, or whatever, and they do that, and it just just explodes into cookies. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, that's excellent. You it's did so good. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, and see, Brady's yeah. playing video games right now. He's telling me that. Like, that yeah, that's 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 one of the great edits. The predator like, there's clap. A, there's a there's a oh, there's a predator clap where it turns into a nuclear explosion, which is good. Yeah, like this, yeah. <laughs> Cookies might be the best one though. That's like, it's just it's just a bunch of cookies, like just <laughs> chocolate cookies. chip cookies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is no okay. predator clap in Exorcist, but it is uh, no. it is nearly nearly as satisfying. But as it is clap. an important thing because I I don't like I literally. So you're gonna have to tell me: is there any connection between Predator, like Exorcist two and three? Because Exorcist three feels like it ignores Exorcist two completely. It, it, it more or less ignores it. It more or less Does Exorcist like, 2 have a dream sequence as horrible as like, Fabio? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. One of my favorite dream sequences. We'll get there. We're gonna get there. <laughs> the, the, so the, the extra, Exorcist 2, the ending of Exorcist 2, uh, their house, Reagan and Chris's house, uh, is literally physically torn in half by spiritual tornado. So, like, if any of that really happened, like, you can't go visit the steps in Exorcist 3. Like all that right. shit got wrecked. Like it's just like if any of Exorcist Two is taken seriously, first of all, I think we're living in some weird science fictional future because that movie makes like there's like there's a scene in Exorcist Three where like uh, in Exorcist Two where uh, this this uh, psychiatrist brings out like a pulsing glowing ball that can read your mind, and I was like, is this space 1999? What is this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's unbelievably weird. There's a little poltergeisty. It's a bit yeah. It's like it's like Poltergeist is able to sell that kind of stuff because it spends the whole movie convincing you that what you really need here is a little bit of science and then right. science doesn't work. But in right. this, in Nexus 2, it totally works and it's something you've never even heard of. 
Sure. It's, it's sort of like they're just like, well, we have radios to talk to God. Let's talk to him. God, why did you possess this? <laughs> just like, oh, God. It makes no fucking okay. sense at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There is it's, no radios to talk to God. Yeah, I get it. No. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's we can skip over that one. I happily cover that, that separately. Okay, so so we'll go to Exorcist three right away, right? Which uh, puts out the fact that it's like it's been fifteen years since blah 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 blah. Right, that's happened right now, and so, it, and uh, the characters are recast. Uh, but it start the two main the starting main characters are the gay priest, uh, uh, and uh, and Kinderman the cop, uh, who investigated Burke's murder. Right, right, and now, so like, the, the, the cop is played by George C. Scott. Uh, right, and uh, and <laughs> okay. uh, so this is this is where it's going to get good because Eric hated this movie, and you and I think it's one of the greatest horror it's, films. It's of one all of the time. great horror films. Of all it's, time. Oh my god! This like, and it's legitimately got like it gets Eric, under my you skin. You can it's jump amazing. in at any point in time and tell us how wrong we are, and it's going to be fine. <laughs> well, I, no, I'd like to, uh, well, if I may. First of all, I want to. Uh, there's one <laughs> last thing I want to touch on in Exorcist. Is one thing I saw in this this go round with Exorcist that I didn't really notice. Exorcist before. three or Exorcist one? Yeah, is that I, there is a suggestion that is uncemented that uh, Damien uh, is gay and is in a relationship with the gay priest. Yes, and I think it's beautifully subtle. If I mean, like it yes. may or may not be like intentional. If it's intentional, it's gorgeously subtle. I thought and, that's uh, I picked that up when he was playing piano. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And or like when he like he drops Damien off and like brings him to his place and takes off his shoes. Like there's this really really caring relationship being represented. That and I was then like, at the end when he goes and to he's his the body. one who's there when he dies. That's and right. It's just like there's a really nice secret story going on here of like that's, a long term yep. um, relationship. And I was just like that really got me. And I that, and like I, I picked that up too. Yeah, I was really touched by that, and uh, and and it's something that just totally slipped by me. I literally, the other hundred times I've seen it. Yes, I should also note that you know when you want to make a movie fifteen years later, you don't need to do uh, spend millions and millions of dollars in CG to try to make it all work. You can just recast it. Just recast <laughs> it. It's better to recast. Like one hundred percent. Yeah, like just recast. No one cares. It's fine. <laughs> like, I mean, how is this? No. Yeah, yeah, it's like, fine. Like, cause, I mean, I, I'm actually one of the few proponents of the new Indiana Jones movie, which I thought was a pretty, I like the new Indiana yeah. Jones movie. I, lo- I was just like, this is a good, nice little yeah. coda. I can't it's believe really it got hammered so hard. Yeah. No, I was like, this Don't is a it. perfectly I think good what, movie. I think what it got hammered by is not even the fact that it was a good movie or a bad movie. I think it got hammered by the fact that people just don't want to watch another freaking franchise reboot. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things in that, like, people express that in a number of different ways. Right. But that is the core sentiment. It's just like, please stop giving us chewed food. Sure. You know? Um, but I, if anyone hasn't seen like, that movie, why, I would say, why are like, we still doing franchises of 50 year old movies? I mean, just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It's really weird. And then, yeah. and, and then, look, and, we're, we, and we're doing it again. 50 years since Exorcist came and out. Now, as Exorcist, we said, and we're doing the new Exorcist came out just right. now. One of the things right. I wanted to talk to you guys about was do you know how much the Blatty family got for the rights to do that film? What, Exorcist 3? The newest Exorcist. Oh, I don't know. I'm sure they, they're. They, I think they paid like many hundreds of millions for the. Uh, 400. Holy shit, that's even they, higher. Yeah, they were paid four hundred million dollars for the twenty twenty one for the totality the of the Exorcist rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can see it. It's Blumhouse that's doing it. They have the money. 
And it is one of the most That's recognizable things in horror. A lot of money. Yeah. I mean, horror is big business. $400 million is a lot of money to pay. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a big, that's a bit risky, but like, uh, they were successful with, I think they were successful with their Halloween movies, which they made at a pretty low budget. They just fired the head of Blumhouse. Did they? Interesting. Really? He just left. I saw it today. Check it yeah. out. I'm interested to see how this goes. Harrison Ford noted that, that, that Harris, uh, I'm sorry. Anthony noted that Harrison Ford is just too old for a new indie film, which is partially true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what they make the movie about really. Sure. You know, so. Um, okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, well, let's. Uh, that four hundred million dollars, Eric. That's is uh, just freaking dumb. I, w- I wish I'd gotten to see the new one. Why? Why are numbers today? so high these days? I mean, I, like we've got I number inflation. I have a theory about that. I think because it was twenty twenty one. That means they started probably negotiated negotiating in twenty twenty, and then we had the pandemic, so right. they they were probably getting hit hard. And they're like, you know what? Let's close this. We'll close this. It's a whole new world coming. Blah, blah, blah. And that's it. Million dollars, man. That's a lot of dough for for that license. I mean, it's not it's not out of the it's not insane. Like uh, they're like there's plenty well, of extra stuff you can do. Well, hold on, if there's one company that I would feel good about holding the IP of the Exorcist, it's mm-hmm. Blumhouse. Sure, but I just think it's ridiculous that we have those franchises. Yeah, I know. Right, you know what I mean? Like, just give me. Why do I still need to watch The Exorcist? I loved it then. I still love it now. Done. Right. Right. Like uh, they're doing. How many? Do some new stuff. (laughs) I mean, we used to make. I mean, we used to make fun of this. Like, you know, how many Rocky films are they going to make? Right. Right. This was the ongoing joke, and I made like you know only four of them. How many Conjuring films? uh, Yeah. How many Conjuring films are we going to? I think I've seen all the Conjuring films, but the Nun two, right? And those movies are. Let's see. How can I say this? They're fine. They're one hundred percent fine. Over and over again, I would watch it. Go like, it's fine. That was my only reaction. I'm just like. How are these the movies that are making so much fucking money when they're so just sort of, you know, regular TV? Like, I'm just like, it's, there's nothing particularly special about any of these movies at all. Well, let's just look at the Paranormal Activity franchise, too. You know, oh, I know. Yeah, they've been milking that for a long time. I think, like, the only thing, the only places where, I mean, there is actually a, a lot of really interesting good horror happening right now, but you really have to go out of your way to find it. Uh, and one of the best samplers, sample plates, essentially for uh, for horror like directors, a cheese plate, like cheese plate, is see the VHS movies. The oh yeah, v- the VHS series. There's some shitty ones. Like you have to put up with some pretty bad movies. Um, but every and like every single VHS movie, there's one of the short films in it. You go like, oh, that was crazy, and then you can look up movies by that guy or by that woman, and like you'll find a new interesting horror director. That like there's just in terms of pop real like big media pop studio horror like the like the conjuring is like a fucking 40s horror movie mm, right. like it's so staid and so hype it's just like i'm like this is the most conservative unexperimental non-scary mild goosebumps style story i've ever seen i like the first conjuring it's not a bad movie it's fun it's perfectly fun but you right. compare that to the fucking Exorcist. The Exorcist was a giant hit film, giant hit film, right? Yeah. Oscar and it is, worthy. <laughs> it, like it is today, a shocking movie. Right. The, the Conjuring Still. is n- not shocking. <laughs> like it's not scary. 
Right. Like it's fun. It's kind of like a haunted house ride. You know, that's about that. But I'm I'm really I'm really stunned at how lame most horror is today. Yeah. Uh, 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 Anthony's saying that it's a crazy amount of money for IP that anyone under the age of 45 probably doesn't know anything about. Yeah. Well, it's a good point. I think that like the, that I think that it's not so much they don't know about, like there's probably plenty of people that haven't seen the exorcist, but the exorcist as an idea of being the scariest movie ever is always in the conversation. And there's lots of things that rip off the exorcist. So it's a, it's a culturally influencing element um, yes. but I think they're really for hoping 400 million. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah, but this, we this make, better we keep, we keep, them. we keep making movies and franchises based on stuff that we did from the seventies. Right. Yeah, of course. Like star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> the Raiders of the lost Ark, the exorcist. <laughs> Imagine like, if they were just like, let's bring back sorcerer. Let's make a sorcerer franchise. Yeah. <laughs> it just believe me. They would, if they could, <laughs> They are. They did. They did try to bring back. Uh, what's the guy? Uh, the 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 short guy. The little people guy movie with the dragon. They oh, tried to. Bring yeah, they they're Willow. trying to bring back yeah. Willow. Yep. 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 Right. Yeah, I mean, like, it's like we can't. Apparently, Willow was a bomb. When we it have out. not done anything That's interesting true. or original since 1988. And then we're just going to have to bring that all back. Well, and also, if I can just bring up one other thing, the the new movie, The Creator, is out, right? And I, you liked it. I I did like it. It is not a great movie. It's a pretty mediocre screenplay, and so you'll probably watch it and go like, yeah, I've seen this movie before. There's nothing really inventive storytelling wise. It's hard to really get invested with any of the characters. The main the kid is good. John David Washington is good, uh, and the and the visuals are absolutely out of control, beautiful all the time. So see it for that. The action's pretty fun. But I was just like, people are really shredding this movie because of its oh. bad story. And I'm just like, I understand it's right to critique this movie for its story. However, can we at least stop and say for a second, it's a brand new fucking movie? Just for a minute. Reckon, yeah. And like, if you brought this it. level of, if you brought this level of criticism to any of the fucking Avengers movies, like uh, the, uh, the past seven years. You know, about Black Widow. If I, where was your criticism then? <laughs> like, wait a minute, this screenplay isn't very good. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. However, like, it doesn't seem like we've been really uh, pressing the studios to make good movies. So I don't know why suddenly you're hot to criticize the creator when everything else about it is more impressive. Mm. Yes. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, chat's kind of blowing up. Uh, Dave 3D says that, yeah, JJ Abrams is trying to remake Crawl. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like, okay, yeah, there you yes. go. And then well, Anthony right. is saying that I thought that the creator was very good, not amazing. Hope uh, turns into a cult hit. Okay, it is a horrible bomb. Cult hit, hopefully, but is it right now a horrible bomb? That's too bad. And the people, the, the takeaway is going to be like, see, that's why we don't do non-franchise pictures. Yeah, yeah that's, no that's actually what's going to happen. That's actually what's going to happen. Yeah. But the fact is, you can say exactly the same thing about Indiana Jones and ZZ. That's why you shouldn't do franchise pictures. Yeah, but they don't. T- so they, they don't, don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. And the Nobody fact is, anything. you need to make something new. And the only thing that I've seen that's new, that's like kind of like shocked people and like, what the fuck is that? Is like everything everywhere, right? Yeah, so right. that's what we need to do. Yeah, that's, uh, that is that, like if you, you have to you have that's the kind of stuff. And it's not it's, just that it's something yeah. like that or actually something not like that. It's just right. something that's not what we've seen. Yeah. Don't keep on showing us the same thing. Like, yes, we, uh, we're done with that. That's OK. It's time. But for I don't think stuff. it's about you guys. I think people in general 
will just take the same old thing. Well, I think that there's this actually connects slightly to the other part of the conversation we were having, but I feel like people are afraid of new experiences. Like it's risky, it's monetarily risky. Like it's better to go like, well, at least it's an Avengers movie and it's going to be at this quality. If I'm going to spend a hundred bucks taking the kids to the movies, at least I can have a validation that's going to be like three stars. Oh, you just you want to make sure that they're going to eat their burgers. So the only place you're going to get their burgers served is to go to McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I do, I do. I, so I want to like we've changed our backgrounds here in 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 our, in our things, and Eric is now. Uh, we're, we're in Exorcist Three World, but I do want to give a special uh, thing for Eric, um, and I'm going to change his background to something a little different, just because to let him know that I love him. So oh, if he gets, go. uh, yeah, look at that! It's in action, <laughs> Fabio in action. Look at that! Love it. Oh yeah, that's, look at that's Eric. Look this at is, him. This is for you. I can't I just... tell the difference. Who's Fabio and who's Eric? Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. You both look, both look like angels. All right, so start telling me why you think it's a genius film. No, I don't like. I uh, what I actually what I'd rather hear is that uh, in like uh, the production design, for instance, one of the things you picked on. What is it about the production design that uh, rubs you the wrong way? Because um, I think we can just go like detail by detail. I mean, I'm interested in the perspective on this. I, I, mean, I, I, I feel I, differently. I think but the, I'm the not image gonna... I put behind him clearly shows that I in some know, ways. I'm mesmerized by that. Hold on. I just froze <laughs> in a twitch. Yeah. Um, the production design. Okay. So let's start. Take I it from thought... the top. I thought it wasn't very like the main hospital was very flat. It wasn't very imaginative. Yeah, very sta and, stagey. Stagey. Mm -hmm. I thought the lighting was very very um, flat. I thought there were a lot of actors with not a lot to do. In a sense, they were like uh, they weren't very good. The extras, but in terms of the set, set design, I thought it was very. Uh, it wasn't very imaginative. You know, it, it almost was stagey, yes, because there was a lot of columns. I didn't like the color palette. But I'm not just picking on it because of the, the art direction. I just, I could not believe, particularly I thought the camera work and the extras were not, didn't have a lot of depth. And I mm -hmm. also felt like George C. Scott was absolutely riffing. Like, it was almost <laughs> like he was just making shit up. Because the director wasn't a very experienced director, who was William Blatty. Right, this is true. And he, has a, he did direct. Uh, he has directed a couple of their films, his, uh, uh, such as Ninth Configuration. And I think maybe one more. Yeah. Uh, it, Keep talking, I, I and I'll, I'll I'll come in. I just I I was trying very hard to um, Eric, follow Eric, the story. I, 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 I get it. Uh, I, uh, I validate your truth, my friend. But I don't right. think he was very good either. <laughs> George C. Scott seemed like he was just dialing it in. I'm. Uh, I don't know. I thought yeah. he was good. I like. I from the from the top of this movie. Like to like. I'll just say to generally. Speak so what's your top movie, George C. Scott my, performance? My, my absolute top. The in, indefeatable, undefeatable top has got to be uh, the crazy. Uh, general in Doctor Strangelove. Okay, the, okay, like so we're one hundred percent agreement. Yeah, I like, like that, but I also like the one he's in the porn film. That he's very good in that. Yeah, he's excellent. Yes. in that. yeah. Patton, uh, was, Patton to me felt over the top. 
Yeah, that's is. a little. That's a, kind of a starchy movie. But he it's okay. does that a little bit, right? He does right. that. Like even in in Doctor Strangelove, he's a little bit like, hmm. yeah, huh? right. Like, you know, this, like, it, like, it, like, imagine. I just, I can, I would love to see. He's Bill an Hader. older version of um from Jaws, the professor from Jaws. I would love to see <laughs> right, Bill right, Hader right. do an impression. Of oh my George. god, I bet he's he got. nails it. I bet he would nail it. Yeah, yeah. he's the king of of. of <gasps> I'm eating, Chris. The, Sorry, the, 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 I don't know. Like his little speech about the oh, carp. Man. I love everything about. Uh, this is the, like, tell me why. In, Please, so, no, well, he's like, funny as hell. I, okay, he's he is, funny, and yeah, even no, the priest is trying not his, to laugh about yeah, the exactly. carp. Like scene. His, his, the, his, so this is here's from from the from the general to the specific. Well, you can okay. t- it's out of context okay, of the but movie. The point but tell is, them, tell them what, right. what's this going oh, on. Wait, so. wait, wait, wait. I, I, like, I, just quickly, I, yeah, go ahead. If <laughs> you're using the name The Exorcist, mm-hmm. there's some sort of. I don't think he directed it to be. It's funny. And if it's a bad movie, I get it. You laugh and, and fall along. But it absolutely had no nuance, anything compared to the first one. I, I think it's – No, I think, yes. I think so, what it's trying to do is show their camaraderie and their friendship. I mean it's yeah, 100% like, about I think this them is, saying something. It's it's just like us being friends and joking about stuff together, right? The, yeah, I think that yeah, it's a good point, Eric, in that like uh, that this movie – it's like for, – uh, for instance, like – uh, two great, two great films. Two of the best films ever made are Alien and Aliens. Right? I cannot watch Aliens directly after Alien. No, no, no. Because it two different plays films. like a fucking goofy comic book. Yes. Like it doesn't match tonally. Yeah. At all. Like we had this, we had the same conversation at home recently. Like we wanted to watch Alien or Aliens, and like it was a hard choice because it's like saying, "Do you want, you know, caviar or vanilla ice cream?" Yeah, right? it's like <laughs> exactly right. And, these, and I think a lot, a lot of people do feel this way about Exorcist Three. It's just like there's there is no sense of grounded reality in this movie at all. Like, and it's like to me, it's an, it's incredibly consistent and purposeful, but it's definitely not trying to be. Um, the unbelievable neorealism of the first movie. Well, like it divorces no, itself. I think they're just saying that. I think what they're just what they didn't know what they were doing. No, no, no. I think they did. There's this. Yeah, like, I think no, totally there's no way Vladdy knew that. No, how no. do we turn? Well, I understand. A wait, wait, wait. Killer I understand you disagree, but that yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah, mean yeah. like these I, are just I, opinions. There's no way. I think Vladdy took it and he's doing it and he abs- no. absolutely does not know I, what he's I, doing. I, no, I, hear, he's... I hear your opinion entirely. Absolutely. And you know how I can tell? Do you know how I can tell? How can you tell? Is because there are moments where George C. Scott, I personally felt, is when the direct, when the actor starts to take over as a director because, and they're throwing things. When he started talking about Shakespeare and all these things, he was moving away from what his character is and he was just riffing because internally he didn't feel like he was being controlled by a real director. And so it, he went off. It, the casting it, is the other example of a guy who does not know how to direct because the casting was like what choice to put those those stupid fucking glasses on and then he takes it off. Keep it on. It's stupid and it doesn't work. But why? Why? It's a director that is absolutely doesn't want know what he's doing. Period. 
So I'm, I feel I'm like, he's and he's a writer. He's, he's not combining a screenwriter. a serial killer film with a uh, with a possession film. But, he's a, okay, it's a serial killer <laughs> film, and it's not a I'll film about go, the go Exorcist. Ahead, go ahead, go ahead. But the point is, it was a poorly directed film. Uh-huh. I don't oh, agree. It's all right. Let him go. The camera work was not good. It just went all over the place, and you're trying to follow the story, and the way things cut, and the way things held, like. The way her that nurse with her neck coming off, it just it didn't. There were a lot of scenes, as well as extras, that were looking for something to do and possibly didn't belong there. Period. And it was a it fragmented to the point where there's actually interesting ideas, but they didn't connect at all. I, yeah, I don't. I I I. It's, it's I know you so don't strange. It. I know you don't see it, but it was like getting cathetered. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? I'm, and then at the same time, it was derivative of other films. So my my question is that uh, this seems to have made you not just you didn't like it, but it actively makes you angry. Yes. So what Dealing, is it about? What, is, is what about this movie makes like ignites you the way that it does? This is, and I mean this, I'm not going to argue it. I'm just, I'm just very curious. This movie, like there's, there's things that this movie is doing beyond just not being a good movie to you that clearly, uh, run contrary to something that you think should be done. I think it's, it's, it's not a well-made, it was, it seemed like an ego movie. Mm, Okay. Like an ego, a guy who has no, like Vladdy directed it and there was no visual. I think the most offensive thing, there was no visual, um, Strength to it. Hmm. Okay, we have a and note from someone. Uh, by the way, uh, he says "Repossessed" is the greatest Exorcist film so far. <laughs> Thank you, Francis H. <laughs> Greetings from the Netherlands, Francis. Excellent H. work. Excellent work, yeah. Yeah. Francis. Right. Yeah, I, like, I'm uh, telling you, man, I might not have friends with this comment, but <laughs> Eric, you are always friends fine. with us. You are always friends fine. with us. In fact, the fact that you find this so uh, offensive. Is actually wonderful. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, like I, I feel because that, I love this film. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I've, I have I not only loved it when I first saw it. Like I like when I watched it this morning, I was actively thinking like I love this more than I ever have had. Like this is this is such a strange, unique uh, uh, picture to me that yeah. I'm mesmerized by it. Like I really am, and it's like they're like. I, I think that there are like I, I will be slightly critical in that like there are some flaws structurally at the end, which I know from reading about them are because the studio came in and monkeyed with the end. So it, okay. it gets a little sort of choppy right at the end. Yeah. And then and I have to be like, yeah, it's a little choppy. That's OK. But I've seen it so many I'm times not gonna be angry anymore. that it no that it but it doesn't play. It no longer plays choppy because I've seen it so many times. And there's so much, there's so much other wow. stuff that I love about this. Unbelievable. It's, yeah, it, it really, is the way it is. Yeah, it 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 invoked anger. That's all it did. It was did. Like, it did. What it the really fuck made you mad. What's the matter with this? Because, and not because of the name. And I went there with this idea of like, oh, it's got to be an extension or the same level as Friedkin did. Is it the offense that like because I think that The Exorcist, uh, the first film speaks to a style of filmmaking that you and I particularly love that has never really caught on in America. Like it's one of the only examples of that being successful in American film 
And then for them to turn back to a very stagey, uh, uh, old school way of making this kind of story is disappointing. Is that, is that part of it for you? No, no, I'm not nostalgic that way. I, and everything has to have its own thing and, and move forward. I, I would, I mean, I agree with what you're saying because he just talked about how he liked cocaine bear so much. So, so yeah, I, I, it's all right. That's it. He's okay to just, do he, I felt it was yeah. really, um, it really had no, it, it was visionless. I mean, there wasn't really. It's a betrayal in some ways, what I'm saying. No, it's not a betrayal. It's just like, how is it that, um, you know, and look, I'm not like seething with anger at night. Honestly, man. I, <laughs> oh, honestly, right, right, right. I just, no, 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 no. for me, I'm watching this. I'm like, I, I think the most aggravating thing was not aggravating, but the extras were really poor. The the level of acting on the extras was horrible. Never and really thought about extras. Yeah, I, I know, but everybody, all the co-stars. Like, like, hold on, on all yeah. the co-stars. They were, if, to me, they were searching. They were just standing there, either waiting for their line or trying to feel like they're part of this. And it really was not. Uh, it it created more of a distract uh, distraction because you have George C. Scott. But he didn't even seem connected to the script or the people. And he was just like, yes, and takes his glasses off. It was like he knew it was bad. And yet, you know, he uh, just went along with it for the money. I feel, Okay, so my here's my feeling on George C. Scott as a specific element of this movie, right? Is that he is and is, you know, is the world's angriest actor. Like every role you see him in. That's what it features. Yeah. yeah. He George C. Scott, man. That's what he is. He's that's not a kind delivers. person. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he is what he delivers. Yeah. This is, uh, without a doubt in my mind, and this is, Eric's going to hate this, the most nuanced, tracked character he has ever delivered. Like he is, yeah. for no. Dr. Strangelove, he's, he's wonderful. No, it's not. No, the no, no, but, but this is my time now. Is, wait, 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 no, no, stop, stop, time, wait, wait, time, time, time. This time. is my time to talk. Let, let, let him this talk. This is my time to talk. Uh, yeah, but Eric can so, respond. I'll you can respond. Time. I just need to be able to say Finish this, your thought. this Finish piece. Your thought. Yep. So that uh, Dr. Strangelove is incredible. Like that's a virtuoso bit of work, but it's also extreme. It's in order to be what it is. It's also very one note. Whereas what I get from that's this. That's what makes it funny. That's what makes it funny. That's the right. demands of that role. Right. He does it flawlessly. It's my favorite performance. It is. However, with this one, he is, uh, he, uh, is, uh, not only does he establish with, uh, I forgot the actor's name, but the guy playing, um, uh, the priest, his friend, um, like there is such a, to me, a very, very realistic old friendship and the way they play off each other that he is sort of calmed by the, all those little back and forths with him. Like bring his character down to, he's still angry, but you can see the value of this friendship is that it's the closest thing to real human faith yeah, that he they, has. They, they, but I, they also have this whole backstory that they do as well, mm -hmm. right? Where they and basically was, like, yeah. And he's on the bed reading women's wear daily. And it's just like, it was, yeah, this, just oh, I love all this. Yeah. It, I love all these guys. Right. All this I, stuff plays great. great. So like, the, we, so like without, legit, but just even the fact that like, so they, they, these two people who were involved, obviously at the ending of the film, mm -hmm. they are like, he's still a priest. He's still a cop. 
and there's a lot of broken faith that goes on. But what happens in this specific movie is like it's been 15 years since he's been killed and they're still good friends. Right. So they see each other and they, the, ma- they each make an excuse to each other. It's like, well, I have to be with him because it's been 15 these years. These islands of hope in each other's lives. Right. 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 And, and so like even when they're doing the shticky bits like in the they're hospital. They're not saying like, that they're the vulnerable buns. They're saying I have to be there for my friend because he's really gets depressed on this day. But right. they're saying it to they're, each other. They're saying it to themselves. They're saying it about themselves. Like these are the only people in their right. lives. The other is the only person in their life that makes life real to them anymore and right. everything else is very rote and the even when they're doing their their back and forths like especially in the hospital with the you know the Winsboro daily bit like uh what's hap- what's happening is that like they are they've been doing this so long together that's the feeling i get it's just like they know how to make the snappy routine jokes very quickly with each other but the ending of that sequence is like they're like joke 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 ping pong back and forth but at the end, George C. Scott breaks it because he tells his last joke too angry. Like, he's just like, he's fucking sick of this. I'm worried that you're going to die. Like, let's stop right. the fucking patter. I'm very serious about this. And yeah. it's like, and it's, and it's his sense of, because like in the end of the movie, one of my favorite bits is when he gives hit when his monologue about you. Yes, I believe in you in that monologue where he's saying to the demon, he's just like, I believe in you've convinced me the world is the worst. It's the shittiest, foulest. Like goes to this big speech, and I even he says, "I believe in you." Everything that everything that I feared, everything that wasn't my friend who you killed, yeah. you've convinced me. There it is. You win. You know. And so, like the movie sets it up. George C. Scott, angriest actor in the world. This movie is about him trying to resist that. And he uh, ultimately gives into it at and uh, uh, at the end of the film, you know. And I think that like that is a that's a very to me a very well planned tracked character that he commits mm. to, and his and his low his flat playing of all these lines, the carp story, all this stuff makes it really fucking funny and likable. Uh, the story was hilarious. Carp story is hysterical, and especially in contracts. And I think, and, and this, I think you, I, I totally hear what you're saying about the extras and like all the other periphery characters are played with the same level of weird flatness. It was a little strange to have Larry King as an extra. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's you bizarre. know what that and tells like, me? It tells me that he's just like, yeah, come by the set, I'll put you in. It was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Honestly, there was. There was something I, I about it, it. But, but, but putting like even Fabio in there, et cetera, et cetera. Like these aren't like, this isn't like buddy casting. This is like, I want to make famous ev- people. Yeah. Like, especially what, like you look at the way that the heaven sequence works, which I know you don't like, but the entire, uh, heaven sequence. Angels in America is before it, angels in America. Like the entire heaven sequence is both very, in, it's like clearly intentionally funny, but it's very off putting funny. And like, like, it's just like, you're seeing images that you can't really grab onto. And it's like, is that fucking fat? What? And there's a priest inside of a vacuum bell and like, oh, all these very strange things. And the awesome conversation he briefly has with the kid when he's just like, oh, Thomas, I'm so sorry you were murdered. Oh, you were murdered. You know? (laughs) And you're just like, what the fuck is going on here? And what this all says to me is that he has a, he has a consistency of low grade surreality and non-reality that permeates the entire film, not just the he- heaven sequence. Mm. And like, it's so consistently sort of 
artificial and bizarre versus his realism, George C. Scott's realism, that that becomes the struggle of the film. It's like George C. Scott is the living one versus the artificial world. And I think that that's a really, really wild thing to have done so consistently because like to, to me what it feels like, cause you know that I sort of famously don't like Terry Gilliam films, right? This feels like, very famous. Famous. This oh my God, feels, you're famous for not liking Terry. It's in the news. It's in the New York times, big article <laughs> on me hating Terry Gilliam. Um, but I'm like, it some, Fisher King to, it has, to it. it has this, this movie feels like if Terry Gilliam had really consistent self-control and taste, this is what it would feel like. And, uh, and, and that's what I love about it. Cause there are parts of Gilliam that I love and there are movies from Gilliam that I love, but he is so like, that's a guy who has no, he's so distracted by himself that he can't tell a single story. This thing is very, very, oh very God. structured and very in line, but still allows for these very strange tones to creep in everywhere. And that's what I really yep. loved. Okay. Yeah. I've had I, conversations I, with Donna about, uh, 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 12 monkeys. <laughs> Cause right. she was, she was head of studio. I, I don't think was, it was oh, as successful as you think. And I don't think, honestly, I don't think you, Blatty was the, the, the I, I think he didn't, he was over his head. Oh, you, you may, and you may be absolutely right. Cause I feel like the, the things that you hate and the things that I love are, are more or less the same thing, but we receive them slightly differently. And you may be right. He may just have been a clown around. Who knows? But for whatever reason, it lands really well for me. And that's why it's such a weird effect. I, and I didn't I like it, it was... because of the jokes and the funny parts or this underlying kind of jokey theme of camaraderie that you're talking about mm-hmm. because it's so, it's a contrast to what the actual brand is, which is the sure. exorcist. One of, I, I, I totally just, get that. Totally I just was like, this is dumb. I mean, it's like, it didn't fly. It didn't fly. It didn't fly. It didn't fly for me. And I, I didn't like the way the talent was used, not in Mm -hmm. a, like, Oh, they, you know, they, the point was, I didn't like the way he directed the the actors. I thought some of it was ridiculously stupid. Mm -hmm. And so like, like I said, with a lot of the sidekicks, like his, his other guys and his seriousness, like, you know how I know he was making shit up as he goes, is that he goes (laughs) to the body in the church and it's bleeding, and he touches it with his right hand. And then somebody comes behind, he looks behind and goes like this, like this. And he realizes he's <laughs> put the blood on his mouth. And it's like he's just making shit up as he goes. And the director's probably like, give me this scene. And I feel like that George C. Scott was just improving stuff right. because they were looking for something. It would be interesting to, I had not read the book Legion that this is from, which, you know, Blatty obviously wrote and adapted his own screenplay. So I, I wonder, like, how page accurate it is from that experience like i think that part of the thing going into this is that i've i believe i even at that point i had seen his other movie ninth configuration which is also an extremely weirdo movie um and so i think that that prob that may have put me that may have set me up for better expectations than uh folks have for going into a you know a george c scott movie uh and an exorcist movie in particular um like the dude makes sort of wacko pictures on um, and i and i appreciate that and so like the i think that what's like if all that stuff for everybody else like if it works if it doesn't work for you it's definitely not going to work because eric is absolutely right like all this shit that he talks about is pervasive it's what makes up the movie like i like this stuff but i can't pretend like it doesn't exist <laughs> you know it's like if you don't like it you're not going to like this movie at all right um, but I don't if it know. does, I think this thing is like a, the, 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 the beginning of the jump scares that's, it's got so many, it, it, it has 
possibly my all-time favorite jump scare, which is it's so... It's not the beginning of the jump scares, Chris. It's, well, it's not the beginning. Really? Like, Alien like, is 19... a jump scare, sure. Yeah. Like, there's plenty of good jump scares pre- previous to this, but however... I've never seen a meal made out of a jump scare so thoroughly yet still works perfectly every time, every single time as the nurse's station scene. Like that is a legendary bit of work. And that's another theater story I can tell briefly is this is not a blue story, but when that happened, when I saw it in the theater, uh, when it happened, I saw the theater was like maybe 40 people in the theater, not packed, just you know, a little bunch of people. When that happened, the theater not just screamed, but people, including me, stood straight up in our chairs and were like, what the fuck? And then we were all standing around for like 30 seconds laughing at each other for being such fucking idiots that we were that scared in the movie. I was just like, that is, that, that's something you can't, like, nothing can take away from me. It's like, I have never been that startled in a movie in my entire life. Brilliantly, brilliantly. There was, uh, uh, it was a long, long time ago, uh, before kids and et cetera, we were, uh, Karen and I, and someone else was there with us and, uh, we were watching the audition oh, yeah. on, D- on DVD, right? <laughs> That's in our house. That's funny. And there's a scene, which is a freaking hallway and a person <laughs> keeps going across the thing, yeah, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> Very similar to yep. the jump scare That's, scene absolutely. in, in, in Exorcist 3. Yep. Oh, and uh, Anthony Rosenbaum says uh, Jaws has the original jump scare for me when the yeah. diver, uh, when uh, yeah, when the head comes through the, the hole, I think. Yeah, you know, yeah. Part. I will even throw in an earlier one, which is in the original version of the thing, when the arm comes through the door, mm. still, still makes me jump today. It's so fast and it's so crazy. It's awesomely done. It's awesome. Right. But right. I was, we were watching the audition and then there's a, you know, because it's a single shot and someone keeps crossing, et cetera. You just see a hallway and we're like, oh shit, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And we're all just terrified waiting. Didn't realize that a DVD had frozen. And we were waiting <laughs> yeah. there for like three minutes. Oh, it was a really good jump scare. They really milk it. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the milking it quite this long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just, a, it's just, yeah. Boss, it right? happened. Anyway, That's that was, hysterical. uh, that was my, my old story, but, um, Okay, where were we? Uh, so this is going to be hard to talk about with so much disagreement on this. But well, well, can I give just a? The, I can blow through the story very quickly if that helps. Uh, okay, just give people. Let's, like, let's, let's, let's what, make this happen. Go ahead. Okay, so here you go. Exodus three it takes the uh, the gay priest and the cop from the first film and makes them the central characters. Specifically, the cop played by George C. Scott. Um, there are murders happening in Georgetown. Uh, that are religiously themed, essentially, where, uh, people are, are being murdered, um, like having their heads cut off and being replaced with, uh, the statues, heads of statues and stuff like this. It um, is also, uh, of a, of a serial killer that has, uh, the motives of a serial killer that has been executed 15 years ago. Called the Gemini killer. The and Gemini so, like, killer. Uh, George C. Scott is the lead investigator on this. He is, uh, he's not only baffled by the case, but like he knows like this, like it's not just like this is like the Gemini killer. It's rather that whoever is killing these people knows how the Gemini killer actually killed people because what they put out in the press was different. Yeah, so they could yeah. spot, um, what uh, people uh, are like copycats, copycats. Yeah. And so he's like, this is something actual going on. This thematically between him and his friend, the priest is 
the world is turned into a terrible place that I don't understand anymore. And then his friend. They're all the, horrible. Everything, yeah. And also, the, George Siscott blames God. Bl- blames for God. Everything for this, that's right. going wrong. And the priest right. is like, there you go, blaming God again. Right. And, uh, and so the priest is, you know, he is just as laconic and, uh, jokey as George C. Scott is, but he comes from the point of view of, uh, having faith in humanity. Just like, listen, I know it's terrible, but you have to believe that we are trying to be good and we are all headed towards a good place together. Right. So these murders, uh, these murders continue to happen and they seem to become centralized around one, um, in one hospital, right? And, uh, in the hospital, in the hospital, there's someone, there's a, a person in the lowest level of the hospital, like, you know, Hannibal Lecter style, uh, who Under is the, the very disturbed area, the very, the disturbed ward. Uh, and this guy is this sort of mysterious figure and, uh, and the murders George C. Scott has drawn into this because he's like, this seems to lead back to this hospital and ultimately to this person. Right. And also oh, we should note that the person, the reason they go into the hospital is because the priest, mm-hmm. his friend checks he's, into the checks hospital, into the hospital right? because he's sick and he's re- reading women's world <laughs> where, where daily, daily. Right? Uh, and while he is there, he gets he killed, killed right? and killed in this very bizarre, sh- bizarre way. way. Everyone gets killed in bizarre ways, right? Yes. So th- he was killed where all the blood was drained from his body, put into yeah. small jars, and then he was decapitated with no blood left right. in his body. And uh, and uh, and in his blood was written the name of the movie that he and the main character loved so much, and we're going to go see. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful but life, but misspelled in the same way that the, the I'm sorry, the Zodiac Killer, the Gemini Killer, double also L's. double L's, who also misspelled things. Um, and so he's like, this killer knows not only has killed my friend, but he knows something personally about the two of us. What I was up to right. just a few days ago, right? Um, and so he is interviewing people and staff of the hospital, everyone in the hospital. And uh, in the hospital, there's a, it's uh, it mainly takes care of people with dementia and stuff like this. So lots of old people. There's a lot of less than old people who are, okay, you guys keep going. I, uh, I'm going, I need to take uh, keep a going, break, Dan. but keep going. Yep, I'll keep on rocking. And so like uh, he talks to a number of people here to try to get a sense of what may have been happening. Um, and most of the people with dementia uh, like can't even really put together a coherent experience for him. Like he talks to one woman who believes that, um, uh, she is talking to a radio repairman and stuff like this. Like, like everyone's pretty much checked out. Um, at the same time, all of the murders that continue to happen, uh, it re- it is revealed that the evidence indicates that these are at least two separate killers that are doing this because the fingerprints don't match at the murder scenes. So as he digs in further, uh, he, and into the, what's going on at the hospital, he ultimately, um, comes to realize that there is this guy in the protected ward, um, who he goes to talk to. And that guy physically is Damien Karras from the first film, the guy who died at the base of the stairs, who he knew personally, and he talked to extensively in Exorcist one. Um, but this person does not talk like Damien Karras, doesn't identify himself as Damien Karras. He rather identifies himself as the Gemini killer. Uh, and, 
Uh, he knows all of the stuff about how the Gemini killer killed people, but he is locked in a cell that he cannot escape from. And so George C. Scott is left to go like, is the hospital in on this somehow? Like are people protecting him and letting him out somehow to go kill people? But in fact, what is the punchline of what is happening is that, uh, the, that the demon Pazuzu has resurrected over the course of 15 years from like blood cells. He regrew with the body of Damien Karras. Right. And wait, is that what happened? Well, it's sort of, it's, it's a little vague, but that's what happens, right? It's the body, like that, reactivates that part the body. is a little bit dodgy. It, re, re, like re, like either, either resurrects uh, his body uh, by rebuilding uh. his body. Like it's uh but it's just like cell by cell. So, I reactivated this body. Okay. Right. Uh, so out of the Which ground. Which makes sense. Right. Well, it makes sense in an exorcist film where you can fly around with a bed. Like, so like the, so he does this and he is, uh, uh, and from this locus, he is projecting, uh, himself outward to possess the weak minded, um, patients of the hospital. And so he is possessing old women to go and do murders for him and, uh, and giving him essentially supernatural powers while he possesses them. Um, and, uh, Kinderman is a long, uh, rather George C. Scott is a long time in sort of even believing that any of this is happening, but finally comes to the realization that in a long talk with the guy, that this is actually quite real and, uh, ends up in a conflict with him, uh, in the end where he is killed another priest. It all takes place in one little chamber has killed another priest. Who's come to try to exercise him. And now it's just the faithless cop versus the demon. And, uh, in, in the very end, uh, father Karras, who is trapped inside there, uh, as a, as a, as a psychic, it's a two thing. Like, so they, they have the two characters play each other, right? One right. who is the murderer and one who's the priest, right? Right. So you occasionally you don't see actually the... really, to me, it's not cell by cell. Who's who? Like, sure. I actually don't know who the real person is. And actually that's what I find the most interesting thing. Right. Because it's, when it's you, George C. Scott, yeah. when George C. Scott looked at him, it was like, one of them is the priest. One of them is the other guy. Right. right? So the same role is played by two different actors. The same right? role is played by two different people. And I actually don't know who is the real physical form. Right. Right. Of like, because I, 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 one I of them think... is supposed to be the, 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 the Gemini killer. One of them is supposed to be the priest. And so, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think this is my feeling about it is that the physical body looks like, like an old beat up version of Damien Karras, right? And when he is possessed by the, um, like allowed to be possessed by the, uh, Gemini killer, because essentially like the, the demon gives the Gemini control of the body. Um, that's when he is played by Brad Dourif. And when the moments you see him as uh Karis are when he is really possessed of himself. Right. And so in the end, uh, Karis takes control of the body just long enough for his friend to kill him. And that's what ends the possession. And that's more or less the end of the movie, but that's the sketch of the basic thing. So like, it's basically the same ending as the other one. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a, it's a riff on the first story, only it's a much right. more like it's a, it's a faith versus faithlessness story. Right. Um, but it's an even more sort of, um, like a, uh, it's an even more, um, uh, a depressed version of it where it's like, 
Like the world is worse than it was in the exorcist. And the only champion you got is somebody who isn't just a, a priest who has lost faith. It's like a guy who actively thinks that they're basically living in hell already. Uh, and, uh, and the devil is very much perched to win. While we, while I was in the restroom, did you guys mention who the other person was? I'm not sure. The, uh, like Karis and the other guy who he also plays like he's played by two actors. Yeah. So like there's, there's, there's two people that play the same role, which are Brad Dourif and, um, and Jason Miller, who is the original guy priest in the exorcist one. So Brad Dourif was in uh, 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 the original Dune. Yes, he's like the wild-eyed, crazy guy. He's the doctor from Deadwood. And yes. this is one of his like most off the rails. I'm a crazy yeah. killer performances. He this is this is this is full uh full on uh 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 what's his what's the the uh Andy Circus performance. Yes. Absolutely true. Absolutely like, true. So over the top. Yeah. It's, and too, it, it's very over the top. And he's like he is yeah. like it's a it's a go for broke performance and they give him a lot of room right and yeah. uh go whereas, for it. you're yeah, a demon absolutely and like and it's like in contrast to george c scott's george c scott's like completely flattened laconic performance like right. you can see like scott is like just let he's just like okay you're having your freak out you go for it i'm not even going to contest you on this like this is just a show you're putting on and it's only right. when he's really asking questions that have disappointing and answers that you see that's when scott is affected like which is very similar to the first one where it's like with the uh like the fucking devil can say whatever he wants but it's not going to affect max von Sydow. it's just like yeah whatever that's much bull that's a bunch of screaming bullshit you know like i'm only interested in one truth and i think that that george scott's pretty uh sensitive to that but like the so that's the mechanistic plot of what happens the winner for me in this movie is uh, the incredibly surreal, uh, creepy tone that develops, which is both very funny all the time and very weirdly spooky all the time to me, uh, because it really adds up to this very disassociative, like even the real world is not really the real world in this movie. And it's upsetting. And it makes me think George C. Scott is right. You know, like, it, like everything is shot from these very, uh, low angle, uh, wide angle lens, low level wide angle lenses. So it has that Gilliam esque distortion to everything. Um, the, uh, the style of photography is, you know, it has the same sort of like nineties, uh, lavender curl to the shades, but it's also, uh, like, like very stagey and side lit a lot of the time. And so like everything feels abstracted. And then when it goes to like heaven, it's even more abstracted. And so, like, all that stuff ends up getting under my skin as I watch it. Like, I'm kind of sort of convinced by this very thorough artificial experience. That's 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 why I love that movie. But also all those reasons, as I said, are very similar to the reasons why Eric hates this movie. Mm. I don't know. I like this, just the scene of them going in a cat, uh, like, chasing after... Oh, the, yeah. non, the non-nurse that's about to yeah. murder his family. Like, yeah, so it's, it's like a really sort of, like, it has this, it has like, I love the idea that it's, it's such a weird flavored movie that you have like this action cop stuff happening uh, in the context of a spiritual argument film, you know, right. and like, and like even like the way that the, like it has like the, the Clive Barker style bone shears that kill the nurse 
And, you know, and when the other nurse comes to the house and tries to kill George C. Scott's daughter in that car chase you're describing, right. like, and the, and you see like the, the bone shears are closing on her neck and the old lady pulls the daughter sideways and it has this weird choppy stop motion flavor to it. I'm like, right. this is a fucking weird movie. It's a weird movie. Yeah. And like in a real, in a really, really exciting way to me. Also like they do subtle things like he's working late on the case and she stumbles in the kitchen and she looks like she's possessed. Oh yeah. It's great. But she's That's not, great. she's, she's just not, tired. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it has like things that have, that are both funny and upsettingly creepy. Like right. the, uh, like the old woman crawling on the ceiling. Oh, that I was love that scene. Which is this fucking, is my, this is my scene. Like, it's so love. out of the, you're like, what the fuck is going on here? That was great. It's great. It's legitimately great. That was the great. only thing I was like, wow, that's an inventive shot. It's yeah. it's a brutally executed shot. And like everything about the I shot. Loves that old lady. It's you're just like you're just dollying back with uh George C. Scott and it has a little extra headroom and it just makes the shot feel weird. And you see like and she's moving at a different speed. Oh yeah, she's you know, totally... and you're just like, how are they but fucking I, I doing think this? This is great. What I said earlier is very true because you talked about how it deals with religion as well as you were saying it was a uh, not theocratic but it was a the theme mm-hmm. and then how it was funny in the car chase right. but i think i had said very early on that it was something that um it didn't know where it was going and mm-hmm. it was and i think that's what got me was that there's potential for a lot of things sure both visually and story-wise, but it was just fragmented and different thoughts and ideas, right. like strung together. And then um, I think by me seeing different portions of George C. Scott's performance where it seemed like he was just like an actor riffing. Yeah, they just and, they gave him a bunch of rope. That's right. And right. when that happens, it's a director who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Right. And so right. it, you know, because... So Other you lose that, faith in the movie because of you this. lose faith in the yeah. movie because right. of things like that. And he he would he would riff on stuff. And you know I've worked enough in the theater where I know where people are just like riffing. It's just <laughs> right. they're just it's just like it just didn't make sense to me. And I right. yeah okay I lost faith in his character. Mm-hmm. But it's the director that has to tie it all together with all these fragmented concepts and ideas. Mm-hmm. It's like you know. And you, and you have Larry King in there. It's like, eh, okay. It's <laughs> right. like, he, right. it's a country club uh, It was the other guy with right. the beard who was also George in C- That was Sieber Coop. Yeah, Sieber yeah, Coop. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wacko. It's wacko. Yeah, it's a yeah like strange... I, I, I totally hear where you're coming from. Uh, I like I think that, uh, and, and you may be right that I'm giving, giving the director way too much credit uh, for that. And I feel like the it's one of these unanswerable questions. The dude's dead, so we don't know. Um, but we like, dig his body up and roll it down a hill, see if he wakes up. <laughs> right, exactly. Or, or maybe down the staircase. <laughs> yeah, Pazuzu can regrow his brain. Uh, whatever you want. But the, uh, but like, I feel like the. I don't, I don't, I didn't, I don't know. That movie didn't tell me it regrew his brain. It was, that, that's a little bit too Hellraiser it's, for me. Yeah, sure. Like, it might, <laughs> like, it's, it's utterly not, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting a lot of that. So, like, it's an utterly non specific thing. Like, he's found wandering around is what the real story is. So you don't even know where he came from. Right. But, so, like, Pazuzu or whatever has resurrected this body, whether he forced him into being or whether he well, rose from the grave, my feeling is that he went from one body and was like, oh, great, I'm going to take this, take this out. I'm going to put right them now. all together. By the way, did it not seem odd 
that his daughter was kind of young considering George T. Scott's age? <laughs> I come from a relationship like this, so I did, okay. it's not odd to me. But yes, it's unusual <laughs> for sure. Oh, did you guys notice the altar boy? No. Yes. The altar boy is actually a pretty famous uh, 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 a sitcom actor and stuff now. Really? Yeah, yeah. He was in a show. He was an altar boy named Feldman. No, he's <laughs> been in a bunch of that. He's a no, really good actor. The name actor. In, the, in the character, his name was Feldman. Feldman. So it's a joke. Uh, in, 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 uh, oh, in this gosh. show, in this movie, yeah. the priest says, he said, oh, wasn't this about, he mentioned something about the exorcist. He's like, get out of here, Feldman. Just go. Right, 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 right. That's right. He's, yeah. he's credited as altar boy in this. Right. <laughs> you know, it reminds me, it reminds me of, uh, you'll like this, Eric. It reminds me of, uh, uh, the, the cigarette commercial in Woody Allen's movie, which is like, uh, like the Holy smokes or whatever it was. And he goes, just yes. like, I smoke them. He smokes them <laughs> pointing to God. I smoke them. He smokes them. <laughs> That's what we need. A little bit more Woody Allen exorcist movie. Oh my God. <laughs> the exorcist directed by Woody Allen. I would be, I think we'd all agree on that picture. <laughs> I'm trying to find the guy. Oh, there he is. His name is uh, Kevin. Okay, I'm putting it in here. You guys are gonna recognize. His name is Kevin uh, Corrigan. I'm putting it in our. Twi- I'll put it in both chats. I'll put it in our uh, our Twitch chat and our live stream chat. Uh, he's been in a bunch of things, and he was the altar boy. And he has a very distinguished voice. He was in True Romance. He was in The Departed. Uh, oh. yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, I know that oh, voice. That guy, that's him. Yeah. 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 His yeah, voice is very recognizable. Yep. Yep. No, he's been, Oh uh, my God. Thanks to that dude. That's funny. I, d- I didn't recognize him in the slightest. That's funny. Yeah. I was like, that's I know great. that voice. And he was so young and yeah, well, he did yeah, a, a TV kick. show that Karen and I watched that no one else watched back in the, Early two thousands. He's oh, done God. a lot. Of oh, he's work. been a working actor forever. What's that? List. Is it grounded for life. Grounded for life. Damn. Damn. That's why I married this woman because she can <laughs> name that stuff. Grounded nice. for life is exactly what it was. What it was. Yeah. Grounded for life. That's the name of the show. It was about yeah. a, it was about these people that were living in Staten Island, uh, New York, uh, and it was funny. It was kind of a funny sitcom. Yeah. Early 2000s. There you go. Yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff. I was like, I know that voice. I know that voice. Yeah. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. Yeah, he, and he's a total throwaway character. He's in there for like one Well, scene. he was. I mean, think about it. Like, I mean, he was probably actor. one of his first movies. Let me I mean, yeah. Actually, let's look it up. Look. Uh, Close uh, yeah. to it. I mean, he's very young. Exorcist, yeah, okay. So his first film was in 1989. Exorcist was in 1990. Yeah, no, he's just, he's, right. he's like, I'm lucky to be on set. Yeah, and he was in Goodfellas. He was in that's Goodfellas. Right. Yes, that's right. Uh, and he's in The Departed as well, I see. So yes, he's, yeah, he's yeah, a Marty yeah. regular. Okay. He's a, nice. Marty, he's a Marty He's in True Romance. Nice, nice. Good uh, for him, man. 
Yeah, he plays. The, he plays the same guy all the time. Makes money. It's good. He's good. He's got a good. He's got a good we'll voice. Love a good character actor. Absolutely. Yeah, but he was in Buffalo '66. Oh, he's the. He's the brother. He's the brother. He's with the, the brother. Yeah, that's Rocky right. Rocky the goon, uncredited yeah. in Buffalo. Yeah, he 66. calls the guy. And wow. He's got his belly out. Yeah, that's. Oh, the, that's, that's the right. Dude. That's right. That's funny. He's talking about the Buffalo Bills or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Rocky. That's just so funny. See, maybe maybe this will help you. Just like do it, man. Just do movie. it. Just do it. Yeah. No, it won't, Chris. But still, I'm glad he's working. <laughs> well, yeah. now that we know the realm of Buffalo, like it actually takes place in the same world as Buffalo '66. Uh-huh. So we, we didn't realize it was an yes, extended universe. Yes, it's a crossover. So <laughs> Buffalo '66 <laughs> is actually part of the uh, of the Exorcist franchise. So that's, that's right. That's all and I Buffalo '66 is the movie that you don't like, Chris. So we just, I, I just, that movie. right. So we need, we need like that's an interesting, unbelievable. that's how I yeah. remember this. Yeah. Cause I, you and I, you and I love that movie, Eric. <laughs> so I adore like, that movie. Oh, it's incredible. I love that movie. Yeah. But, I hate uh, that movie. So, but it's now okay. Need, it's okay. Listen, all right, this, is what we this, do. this is good. And uh, like, actually, uh, Dave for you is like, is, is when you guys disagree that it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's, this is like, this is definitely Honestly, one of these, about halfway through the show. And and Dan's just riffing and talking on how great this is. And And I was thinking to myself, and I kind of chuckled. I was like, these guys talked about it before. They're just pulling my fucking leg. (laughs) And so I was like, this is not true. Right at the end of the like, drink, talk. We hated it. Just kidding. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) it. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to say I like this movie. And it's like, it's you shouldn't say that I, you like it. I don't listen. I'm not no, no, saying no. anyone should change their minds about anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, I thought you were joking. What, what is the, there's a, nope. there must be a movie that I have hated that you guys loved. There must be a, a third version of this. I just don't know what it is. It's because I hmm. love everything for no reason. You <laughs> do. So my, my opinions are terrible. That's this Return is of the works. Jedi. You don't love that movie. That's impossible. No, I don't to love, love that, that movie. movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even remotely possible. I'm trying to. Uh, you you hated Barbie. I didn't hate Barbie. I didn't hate. Okay. I, yeah. No. Really? I think you I had th- problems with Barbie. I had problems with Barbie, and I think that Barbie is is a like. Yeah, there's problems. What with movies? Cause, so here's the problem. Then is like there you don't. There's a lot of movies you don't like. Yeah, there's, well, there's movies that I don't like, uh, but there's very few movies that I hate. And sometimes mm. it hits. Sometimes there is a movie that I hate that I'm like really aggressive at. Um, but yeah, Barbie's not one of them. Barbie, I can be like, there's there's really funny parts of Barbie, and I think overall it's a pretty good movie. Wait, okay. Um, oh, Anthony's saying that Once Upon a Time in America is a disagreement. It was epic. Okay, so it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, that was Once Upon. Yeah, that was between me and Chris. Yeah. Yes. And really, it wasn't even over whether the movie was good. It was just over whether Tarantino was doing something specific or not. It was a Tarantino thing, yes. Yeah. Because yes. you you have issues with Tarantino. Just you do as a I do. I do. Yeah. Listen, but I'm right. getting over those. Honestly speaking, I'm getting over those. They're, but they're understandable. Still, they're <laughs> understandable. Still, totally understandable. But at the same time, I still have a problem with how he handled the end of that movie, which right. couldn't be done in any other way if it was right. Tarantino. Right. Um, yeah. True. No. 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 No, oh Dave my 3D. God. There's no way. So if, Dave 3D says you guys should review Black Widow, so Dan could like turn God. to. I, uh, <laughs> I no, because I think that's going to be a. I have a feeling that's going to be all of us agreeing that's a terrible movie. So it's a terrible movie. Yeah. So there's no way. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Well, the thing yeah. is, like, because these movies, like, well, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, um, outside of the ending, you think is a really well made movie. Like, there's like, it's a. It's I a like that made movie, movie, even though I don't like you the and ending. I. 
Yeah, like you, yeah, it's we, we all we all agree on like there's a level of quality to the movie, whether or not we absolutely think it's the best movie, right? Not like and stuff like uh, you know like whatever uh, Barbie and stuff like that. So like most of the most of that dialogue is like yeah, this is actually pretty good. It just has flaws, but like for something like this where it's like two people love and one person hates, that's a really rare combination on this show. Right. It's only like Buffalo sixty six is the only other one I can think of right off the bat where it's just like we come in like that fucking sucked and the other two are like what that's a beautiful movie <laughs> yeah. i love that movie yeah, yeah i just did not because i just dislike you hate vincent gallo's character yeah, like, yeah and am i wrong guy. why he's he's he is he's a, a despicable person, person. <laughs> but oh, and he's, he's a horrible a, person in that movie he's and he's so that's massively he egocentric yeah. Yes, absolutely. And he's such a Michael person, huh? Well, it's funny that in both cases, like both Buffalo 66 and this, the reasons why you hate it are the reasons why I love it. <laughs> so it's not you even like love there's it a because you're like, oh, look, this is funny how you see that. But like, yeah. I see you him just as can't a whole, t- You can't fucking stand it. I can't stand it. Yeah, I totally hear it. And it was just too much for me. Like, listen, I've seen movies of people that are horrible people. I've taxi driver. Let's just yeah. put it out there, right? Yeah, but so it, like, it, uh, but but this this was not taxi driver. This I, it, was it, him. Trying to justify think, himself as being a good person, and it's right. Like you not, think that he doesn't think he's being a bad person in this movie? No, you for God's sake, it's, no. it's an ego trip movie. No, and, he's a massive yeah. Trump supporter. For God's sake, <laughs> right? That's so why you don't like him. Well, no, it, I didn't know. I he's knew like, that after the fact. I don't know what to make of that freak show outside of those movies because I love his movies, but he is indecipherable as a person. He like is indecipherable he is, he is as a person. I he will is acknowledge a Trump that. supporting. He said wacko, like not just racist stuff, like very racist, like things. insane racist stuff. Where I'm just yeah. like, is this an act? Like, what is he doing? Yeah, and he's massively misogynistic. Yeah, and none of this comes yeah, through. I don't know that in these movies. Well, he, these movies are very. Did you gentle. watch Buffalo '66? It's he's a like massively misogynistic film. Uh, yeah, oh, he, he's no, just the. He is I the knew character. People like that in the New movie York. I, honestly, not. I thought it was hilarious. I yeah. loved that film. That's what I'm saying. It's like that's a, there, there's a gentleness and caring in that movie towards all of its characters that he doesn't. That Vincent Gallo does not evince in real life in any way. Like that's we're reviving what's this me. for you, Dave. So just so you know, Dave 3D, this is for you. We're, so this we're bringing this all find, back. Right? Like this is this is what we this is the thing is like we need to find. I, there must be a movie out there that you guys love, and I'm just like this is a piece of shit, and I hate it, and I can't stand even talking about it. <laughs> I just wonder what it is. I wonder what that is. I, there's there's plenty of movies where uh, you guys like it, and I love it unreservedly, and you are like this is a little bit much, Dan. <laughs> Like, or there's movies that you don't like that I love, like Tenet. Like you guys hated Tenet, and I love Tenet. That's fun. But I, yeah, I Tenet, I, I, I have got to, I've got to find a movie. You to are hate. definitely on the side of <laughs> this is a great movie. Yeah, like totally I'm watchable, easy. completely I'm unwatchable, easy. right? Yeah, like you know, you made us watch, you know, uh, the uh, Communion or whatever. Like, oh, Communion is like, a bad movie. I just didn't remember it being quite as bad as that. Oh, I mean, I knew it was okay. bad. I knew it was bad. I so I mean, fun. finding finding a movie—that's so the challenge, right, Dave? So so Dave 3D is like is like, what's the movie that Dan hates that Eric and I love? That's right. that's then we created the perfect trifecta. Then, right? then we have it. Then we find that's that's then the, we have uh, it. That's the white whale for this podcast right here. Right, if it could be fine. <laughs> like if we get like it, like uh, like you know, it was like Dan hates. Uh, uh, cocaine bears. Like then we have it. Yeah. Then maybe, maybe did you hate cocaine bear? I I I have no opinions on cocaine bear yet. 
I will, have you seen I, it? No. So like, oh, okay. I, I will, I will, no. I will. Yeah, I, I, like, I, that's not, I'm that's not true. I'm pretty sure you're going to like Cocaine Bear. I, I mean, there's no way you're seen, not going to like Cocaine I thought Bear. it was pretty funny. So I yeah. expect to like that movie, but yeah. I have not invested I have one question for you after you watch it. So you might already know the answer. I was blown away by the, it does, it makes sense to me, but. I hear that Ray Liotta is in it, which makes yes. me love it automatically. Uh, automatically. Yes. <laughs> like there's it's very awesome. little chance I will dislike that. Oh, but there is, okay, there is a movie. Okay. Where it's shot. Okay. I'm interested. I'm I was interested. blown away and it, it makes sense, but I was like, wow. Right. So yes, I, I have. Yes. So, uh, I would say there's a movie that I saw recently that I did hate. I don't think you guys will have liked it though. So it doesn't fair. Like I, I, I very much hated Renfield. I thought Renfield was an unbelievable, unmitigated offense. I did comedy. not think Renfield was that terrible. What's yeah, Renfield? But that's but with Nicolas Cage's Dracula. I, 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 I wouldn't stick my knife yeah. in it like I would. You don't, yeah, you don't love like it. Like I would right. Exorcist 3, which I think right. is a really great horror film. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, don't yeah. say that, please. <laughs> it's one it of is. my favorites. <laughs> I've seen Exorcist 3. I've, I've seen Exorcist 3 probably as many times as I've seen The Exorcist. Because yeah, I always watch them together. Yeah. I, just, I absolutely love them. It's, oh, a no, good, I, it's a good sequence. It's a good thing. Oh, man. Like, it's got it's spooky. It's scary. It's funny. I love George C. Scott. I actually like the photography, which is really bizarre. I know. But that's what I like. It's 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 is it as if I like Terry Gilliam. I like that that's nurse, too. Is. The, 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 the oh, weirdo so cocky the nurse. Weird, the weird bitchy nurse. Fantastic character. You think she's going to be super evil because yep. she's got that weird hair? I love her, man. She reminds me of Frances Sternhagen in Outland, who I also love. Oh, mm. yeah. The, the, really, the really yes. tough nurse. Yes, yes, I yes, yes. I remember that, that now. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Great character. Yeah. So much fun. But yeah, so like uh, I am going to go see, I believe, Exorcist Believer tomorrow. Okay. Um, so I'm I will curious. give a report on that, uh, both in Twitter and on discord. Like I've, it's gotten terrible reviews, but it's uh, done well on the box office. It's not, I think it's doing pretty good. Right. Well, it is and October. It is October and it's a name, it's name brand. And so like my feelings on this movie, because I'm also alone, virtually alone in loving this guy's new three Halloween movies, which I thought were t- all terrific. Right. Very weird, but very, very funny and very, very clever and really well made. Um, so I may be in the bag for him as a director and we'll find out with Exorcist Believer. We, we shall see. We shall see. All right. Uh, yes. I, it's funny. There's been some uh, discussion recently that's been on the internet where everyone is saying that, uh, uh, there's a massive discrepancy between uh, Rotten Tomatoes film critics versus audience reviews. Yes, yes. I think and this is yes. I find this interesting myself. What what is the uh, what's the scuttlebutt? It, certain films are being heralded as great, and people saying they're terrible, and vice versa. Yeah, hmm. right. I'm so, finding it very very difficult. It's finding very difficult to find reviewers that I trust and that doesn't mean agree with no because there but are people, there, there people are that like, i understand where they're coming from everyone has a little bit of a cancel culture vibe to them and they're yeah, where does yes. rotten tomatoes get it it goes to all the reviews and then tallies it up yes yeah so it's like rotten tomatoes is a shitty system to begin with but in it terms is. of just like like in terms of just movie reviewers themselves like there is a review uh, i don't know where it was anyway one of the big reviewers reviewed exorcist believer and they hated it but when I read the review, I was like, this is largely 
saying I politically disagree with this film. Huh. And I'm like, that doesn't That's help horrible. me. That's that not doesn't helping. help me at all. That's not being a right. responsible reviewer. That's like saying the, you know, when you look at a review of a product and they say the shipping went wrong. Yeah. That doesn't like, review the yeah, product. It's a one, one star. You know, the, the thing was cracked when they delivered it. Like, I mean, just like I, I, you know, I understand, I mean, like if you disagree with the movie and it interrupts your enjoyment of the movie, I understand, but you should have some sort of sense that that's what's going wrong with the film as opposed to saying the movie is bad because it doesn't say what you want to hear. Right. Like that's, that's bad reviewing. You should be able to, I should like, there are plenty of movies that I genuinely love that I politically completely disagree with. And I'm okay with that because movies aren't real <laughs> right. as much as I love them. They are stories and that's okay. Um, and so like, I think that that happens a lot right now, both in terms of people loving things and recommending them to me when what they're really saying is this movie, there's a movie that I agree with, even though it's not that good, I'm going to recommend it to you or right. this is a really good movie, but it's against what I believe. So I'm saying it's bad. Like that shit is fucking useless to everybody. Mm. <laughs> like why it'd be like that? Just like, I don't agree with this movie, but it is really well made. It doesn't, right. it's not a big stretch to say that shit. I yep. realized like 10 years ago, I worked at this place and this guy who was the producer came in and during the day and he was talking about his experience at a restaurant, which wasn't far from where I lived in uh, Koreatown. And he didn't like, he had an issue with the valet guy, the way he threw the keys at him or something like when he pulled the car up or something. Right. And he wrote, he was telling us, he and his partner wrote this long thing on the, the reviews for the restaurant. Right. And I'm thinking, my man, he's just like taking just a, a negative experience with the valet guy and shitting on the restaurant. And I was like, that it's means dumb. <laughs> I know, but that means the whole system is corrupt in so yeah, many ways. Absolutely. And it was just like, God, it just put another level of, I'm like, I don't read those. It's, it's, I can't take it whenever, seriously. Whenever I see a bunch of bad reviews or a bunch of good reviews, I always go through them and like, Mm, fake <laughs> yeah exactly i mean because yeah. like there there's uh, I, you know like there are uh there are a couple of reviewers the, the reviewers i follow are people that even when i disagree with them there's something interesting in what they're saying sure like but that is so fucking rare these days it drives me insane like i don't care that you're like it's just like i know this isn't your brand of star wars but is it good <laughs> like that's that's my big that's the big consideration and i feel like right. the uh that being unable to do that is yeah I, like yeah I, it's get let's get get outside your bubble well bit. it's just kind of the thing right like it's like it's, let's bring star wars like some people complain about star wars stuff because it doesn't follow the canon that they've been delivered right. from fan right. base crap you know right yeah and it's just like 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 crap. i argue with people I'm like no people can not like and plenty of people don't like Star Trek, the motion picture, the original one, the director's right. cut, right? I happen to love this movie. I think it's incredible. But people constantly say, yeah, like, yeah, I'm like, but it doesn't really feel like Star Trek. I'm like, who fucking cares if it feels like Star Trek? Is it a good movie? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. that's the actual question. Not, are they, are there enough Klingons? Like, that's not, it's like, you don't are rate things. It's just like, I that, rate that five Klingons. That's the problem that Kathleen Kennedy had when she was doing Star wars right. right it's like oh you know i just need to make sure that i see you know 
Chewbacca, R2-D2, and yeah. C-3PO in the Millennium Falcon. If I have those three things in a movie, then I've it's like, does that then mean you have a story? Then right. I, I don't care about the story. I just so want to make sure I committee. see those things. Yeah. 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 And the no, thing is like, no, just make sure that happens. I have a, I have a very, people uh, criticize uh, um, her for like pushing a woke agenda or any of this, you know, this stuff. And I'm just like, I don't have like, you can make Star Wars, like Star Wars can be as progressive or as, uh, as nostalgic or whatever you want make whatever movie you want. It's fine. Um, uh, but like, I think that what she's really, what she was really doing is selling, uh, action figures, you know, yeah, it, like, that's what she's always been doing. Yeah. Like this is like, she's, she's like, I have more success selling action figures if the character has no flaws. So yep. the character will have no flaws. And this is like, I read about this when Indiana Jones is about to come out. Like people were very worried that, um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was going to be like, you know, uh, I a, her, man. like the worry that she was going to be another character that comes in and shows Indy that she's better at everything. And he's a dumbass. And in fact, that's not what she is. Like she's a well-written good character and she's great in the movie. And I thought she was really like, I was just like, yeah, that's how you do it. So like they know how to do it. Uh, Yet they were also right because that movie fucking completely bombed. <laughs> yeah, it's a massive disaster. Whereas, like, a For- the Force Awakens is a gigantic hit, and I will probably never watch it again. Like, you know, she's like, it's a toy advertisement. So it's a toy advertisement. Fucking put the ads in there. That's what we do. And uh, and that's the kind of stuff where I'm just like, I'm not interested in seeing movies where the characters don't uh, change. You know, or if they don't, or if they don't change, that should be the struggle. Like there's an offer to change and they fail to change. That's the conversation, right? That's like, that's, so how did George C. Scott change? Well, George he's, C. Scott got, goes, he's, he's he's an action figure now, so so that's how it happens. <laughs> I and would love so, it. Yeah, so George Scott Blair action, figure, action but, figure, and 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 therefore we revived the whole franchise uh, fifty years later through uh, Blumhouse, and uh, there you go. So now yeah. we have the whole Exorcist, uh, uh, you know, game set. That's right, Monopoly and board. I love Monopoly it. Monopoly board. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, I'll, I mean, like, I'm I'm interested. I'll cut this. I mean, I actually like most of this director's work, but he has made a couple of stinkers. So yeah. we'll see. I'm, yeah, I'm the, open the staircases go back to go. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm I'm interested, and I think that like uh, if they're going to make their 400 million back, uh, that's a tough that's a it's a tough needle to thread right there. We'll see. All right, uh, we're going to stop this here. It's been a very good. We actually are just at the three hour mark uh, from when we started broadcasting. Uh, we may not have all of that in the actual recording, but it was still good. Uh, yeah, it was good to see, uh, a difference in opinion about this stuff. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, but now uh, we're, for anyone out there, we're on the prowl for a movie that you can suggest that you know that I will love. No, you will no, hate. That I will hate, rather. That, the, that these, these like. guys will love and I yeah, will hate. That's going to be a hard one because yeah, you, you like almost everything. Yeah, and Eric, and, I, and, Eric uh, and I tend to be on different sides of things. Yeah, but you have, like we can say this as you and Eric have what they call taste, and <laughs> I am a little bit 
We have different uh, tastes. Too open-minded. <laughs> Let's just put the Buffalo 66 example in there. Yes. 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 You have you have discerning tastes about what you actually enjoy. Most of what and you, if I'm watching something, I'm happy. This is the what, problem. Most of what you don't like is because you've gotten triggered by something. Yeah, exactly. I'm not like I'm annoyed by some, you know, like like Return of the Jedi makes me mad. That's a movie that makes me mad. Sure. Um, and th- there are there are other examples of that. Renfield is a giant waste of a good idea that made me mad. Huh. You know, like that's there's there's things there's things that do it. But, okay. uh, but you like the new uh, uh, Edwards film? Uh, I liked it. Yeah, I would say that What's the it called? Uh, it's called the the creator. creator. It's yeah. uh it is a it's sort of a serviceable plot that's well executed in terms of like the actors are all good. The kid is very good. And there's a couple of very affecting moments. There's problems in that I feel like this is a much longer movie that got cut down by probably 40 minutes. And uh, so there you hit walls where they really have to hustle. They through try to hustle through the plot. Very unbelievable plot turns just to reestablish the next act. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and it hamstrings the movie a little bit, but not enough to break it. You just sort of go, all right, that's fine. Anyway, we're back in the movie. And then and just in terms of world building and visuals, see it. It's, it's a real IMAX theater experience. It's beautiful and, uh, and works very well. Some, some great stuff. It's not, it's not a five-star movie, but it's, it's definitely worth seeing in the theater. All right. All right. Okay. You guys ready to do this? Let's, Let's do, do it. it, baby. All right. Drink. Talk. Break. Break.